This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet, we will recap UFC on ESPN Plus 34, Overeem vs. Sakai, talk fighter stocks with GSP, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts, discuss the news this week in MMA, and last but not least, preview UFC on ESPN Plus 35, Watterson vs. Hill, here we go. All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. We are the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. I'm Alex. Ryan is here as well. We got a full episode today. We got a recap to start with, a preview to finish with, some news and some segments in between. And um, But first and foremost, we'll start, as we always do, with our take of the week. Ryan, you want to take it away? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Overeem will be getting another title shot before he retires. I wow. think he needs to win uh, maybe one more fight and, and wait, and then he gets it. Wow, that's pretty bold. I, uh, I'm i impressed with his performance this past weekend, but uh, there's still some stuff that scares me. But at the same time, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's outrageous. But do you think uh, something has to happen to Stipe, or do you think that uh, Francis has to lose? What is the, what's the path to the title? Hey, there's heat between him and Stipe. Stipe tapped, man. We all know it. We all saw it. <laughs> we did Overeem see Overeem got screwed. That's true. Huge rematch. Yeah, that, that video was uh, making its rounds. Um, it was making its rounds this week, just because I think everyone loves loves uh, Overeem. And, uh, I mean, from one angle, it really does look like he tapped, but from the other angle, it's pretty clear that he definitely did not. But um, maybe Overeem let up. I don't know. He sounded crazy, though, at the post-fight when he said that. I know. And let me tell you what. Stipe tapped more than uh, Imadayev did this week. So go by that. And he tapped. Yeah, so as long as he falls within the... Because uh, nobody's complaining about that one. We'll get to that one, but nobody's complaining about that one. But um, And we'll get to Overeem like, very, very quickly. But <clears throat> just as far as the take of the week, him getting, uh, him getting another title shot, he's not far away. And he said he did say that's all he's interested in. As soon as his uh, title run kind of uh, – he kind of loses his uh, track path to the title, he said he's done. So I want him to keep going. So um, I hope so. He's looked like a, maybe not the same level of striker in his last couple fights, but he's looked super smart. Like it's all about game planning for him now, and he seems to have it figured out. So um, probably one more win or something, and he'll get a title shot. I don't know. I don't know what has to happen with him and uh, – with Stipe and uh, Francis, but um, – Let's get over him in there. Let's get him another title shot. Everyone loves the Reem, and he only needs a UFC title belt to like complete the uh, to hit to hit for the cycle because I think he has every other one. Yep, yep, he does. And I think either way he's fine because they might want to match him up with Francis to see him just get launched, see if he could get launched any higher off his feet than he did the last <laughs> time. And they might want to match him up with Steve Beggs tap. So, dude, I love that. I- Reem is on everyone's highlight reel, and it's cost me in the in the past, but I profited off it this weekend because. He wasn't that he and we'll 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 pat ourselves on the back, especially you. Uh not a gambling podcast, but you nailed that one perfectly. Bringing back JLT Lock of the Week. And uh, I posted the clip, confidently posted that clip on our Instagram page of you laying out how uh Overeem was gonna win that fight. Went straight, straight uh word for word how you laid it out. So uh not a gambling podcast, but uh, you know, maybe you can learn a few, learn a thing or two, you know what I mean? 
every once in a while I got a I got a feeling for a fight, so I'll throw out there. So, but yeah, I mean, and my point there was I think you get value on Overeem because uh, so many people have seen him get uh, absolutely decapitated. He's on everybody's highlight reel, but the guy has like seventy fights, so it's gonna it's yeah, bound to happen every once in a while. Extremely extremely scary to watch him as well because when he starts getting when he starts getting landed on and the uh, fighter starts coming at him, all he does is. He shells up and hopes that uh, that one doesn't slip through and knock him out. So it's yeah. very uh, nerve-wracking at times to bet on and you him. Don't... But he's got value against these younger guys. Absolutely. And uh, not as experienced guys. And, uh, yeah, you don't know if those are getting through or not. That's the scary part. But uh, at the end of the day, um, big win, big shot, or a big, uh, big stepping stone towards his uh, title shot that you're predicting now. So write it down. It'll be uh, – It'll be exciting. He needs he needs another shot at Stipe. Let's give him another shot at Stipe. Like, um, Stipe doesn't want to fight Francis. Let's give him over him. I bet I bet he would take that fight. Yep, and we all know you tap Stipe, so <laughs> give him a shot. Give him another chance. Exactly. All right, so I'll move on to my take of the week here, and mine is uh, I mean I'm almost surprised it's not yours. It's, it's kind of like my call out too, but it's one of my calls. But anyways, uh, Nick Diaz wants to come back and fight. Let's let him come back and fight. I'm seeing a ton of people online in the media, shitting on the guy for wanting to come back and fight at 37 years old. Let me tell you guys something. If Nick Diaz comes back and fights, he'll look fine. He'll look good. The Diaz brothers do not do anything they don't want to do. Everyone talks about like when a fighter comes out of retirement, especially an older fighter like Nick Diaz is talking about doing, they come off the couch basically for a paycheck. Nick, I looked into this. Nick Diaz has done a 14-week diet. He stays in great shape. And he, he never got out of shape, and he's probably uh, as in as good of health as he's been in years. And back to, like, the, the other thing they talk about is his mental health because of his uh, interview with Ariel after the BMF fight or whatever. Dude, Nick Diaz has always been a weirdo. Like, look it up. The guy's never, never sounded – he never sounded right on the microphone. So um, my take of the week, Nick Diaz comes back. Again, you said it last week when you, you randomly grabbed it out of thin air. You said, let's give Robbie Lawler Nick Diaz. I would love to see it, and I think uh, Nick Diaz would look good. Yeah, we're predicting the future a little bit there. Yeah, that's crazy, honestly. <laughs> that that news came out probably yesterday or the day before, and it was kind of like unverified for a little while, and then Nick Diaz verified it. Um, and like instantly, like if this is just a new generation or something, because everyone just shit on it immediately. I'm like, who, who, where are you guys from? Like, show some respect. This is one of the greats. Right, I think is. He's still competitive with, you know, there's quite a, f- a few good matchups you can put him in that would uh, that would be a good fight. I mean, I'm sure if Nick Diaz is serious about coming back, he's going to be in uh, in good shape and be ready to go. So um, I want to see it. Nick Diaz Army for life. Let's go. Yeah, and here's the thing. They're, this guy he's doing, he has plenty else going on. He doesn't need the check. He has plenty going on. And, like, he already, he already did a practice cut. He he did a practice cut and a 14-week diet. That's not something you do when you need the money. Like, he's taking it very seriously. 37 is the tail end. Yeah, he's not going to fight for a title again. Nobody's saying that. But he could definitely put on entertaining fights. I think the stat that a lot of people are looking at is the fact that he hasn't won since 2011. But his fights, he fights when he wants to fight. Like, he he beat BJ Penn in 2011. And then who's he fought since then? Um... George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva. Um, I don't know, 
But it's like he only takes the fights he wants to take, though. It's not like he's, like, trying to grind his way up the ranks. They fight when they want to fight. Like, it's the same with Nate. So, I don't know what. I, this is a, I think most of these people shitting on uh, should not Nick Diaz come back have never seen Nick Diaz fight or, like, maybe caught the, his last fight for Sanderson Silva before he uh, kind of semi-retired or got kicked out. Yeah, and another thing about him is, like, he didn't, he lost such a big part of his career because of weed suspensions that he refused to um, comply with because he thought it was bullshit. And he's right. It was bullshit. So, I mean, I don't like, I was just flabbergasted because like, this isn't like I saw a mean tweet. It's like a majority seems to be like, stay retired. Um, and they're pulling out like a lot of the MMA journalists who we always have beef with. We don't like, but you know what their opinion was going to be. Like, look at his mental health. Look at his, look at him in this interview. Look at how he talks. Look at, it's like, dude, he's always sounded the same. These guys are always, this is, it's just, I don't know where these people came from or what, like, they're just not real MMA fans, I don't think, or they haven't been for a long enough time because it hasn't even been that long. So this is a Nick Diaz, this is a Diaz Bros podcast, uh, Nick Diaz Army shout out, but like, I don't think I'm even being biased here. I think I'm being completely reasonable with this one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to see him come back. So let's get yeah, the fight. So- let's book Robbie Lawler. Let's book. I mean, there's quite a few fights that I think would, uh, would be good for him and, uh, pretty entertaining fights out there so let's get him going yeah yeah i know and if they put him up against I'd, robbie I'd Waller, like to i would see him fight i'd yeah i'd like to see him fight masvidal to uh you know for baptizing his uh his little brother but uh i guess nate's gonna avenge that one himself so yeah i don't know i don't know how, i don't know what the deal is with that that's that's pretty strange that they're gonna run that back but um i mean it's a big money fight it's a smart fight for masvidal and uh it's probably a smart fight for Nate too. I mean, get those checks. It's not like Nate can't win it. It's just uh it's a tough fight. But that's the interview I was talking about when he talked about like he said he baptized my brother and he started kind of like breaking down or whatever. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, if he fought Robbie Lawler, that'd be wild. Like you would have been like you would be like an oracle at that point for just I mean, you're you're basically a matchmaker already. That's the goal here. And yeah, uh, I mean, you called that match that's the a dream week job, before. So yeah, you, and you called it a week before it had, like before he even came out of retirement. Like you, <laughs> you uh, put it into the universe, and I'm happy. I hope they do run that one back because, like, I think he beat Robbie Lawler, but I don't know. Um, but anyways, that's my take of the week. Uh, I just wanted to get off my chest right away because it's been annoying the shit out of me. Like I talk about like being like like blindsided by a uh, reaction like a mob. I can't believe people are shitting on ideas, any ideas. But especially Nick Diaz, so I don't know. Yeah, well, he'll show him all when he comes back. Yeah, and if he doesn't, he'll have a reason why. A perfectly good reason why. He got poisoned, the ref cheated, yeah. the other guy cheated. I mean, the, he doesn't lose under fair circumstances ever. So uh, I'll, I'll look smart no matter how this plays out. <laughs> exactly. So, so anyhow, that will uh, do it for the take of the week, and we will move on to our recap we had a wild card. It was a just a main card. We had no prelims. Um, my take of the week last week, time to get this thing back to Fight Island. Um, I had no idea we were about to lose half the card so uh, to COVID. So, but they are going back to they are going back to Fight Island, but not till 253. So um, another take of the week that kind of hit right there. But yeah, we lost half our card. I didn't mind a seven card, uh, seven fight card because uh, it was all over with pretty quickly. Fights were all right. Um, it was just kind of a, uh, I mean, it wasn't a big card to begin with. We didn't, so we didn't really lose 
anything significant. So, um, but we'll start right off the bat with, uh, we'll start from the bottom of the card and move our way up. Uh, Cole Smith versus Hunter Azure started us off. Yeah, and this is a pretty boring one. Probably wouldn't usually be on it, but seven fights, we're covering them all. And to speak on the seven fight card, it was awesome for me this week because I was in Utah, only watched the main event, so I had to go back and rewatch everything. And only having to rewatch seven fights was uh, was prime. So if we can do this every time, uh, every time I'm out of town, that we'll keep, you know, let's do that. But uh, anyways, yeah, uh, Cole Smith versus Hunter Azur. Um, Azur really need to get back on track in this one. He did. Uh, but, um, you know, wasn't anything special. Uh, I mean, I guess he did kind of dominate the fight, but, uh, Cole Smith stayed in it with, you know, throughout three rounds and kind of, uh, and he came back in round three. He, uh, had Azur's back, but, uh, but couldn't get, uh, couldn't get the finish. So overall, um, you know, Azur, Azur won the first two rounds in a pretty boring fashion. Uh, besides kind of, I guess he dropped Smith in the first round, but it was like, you know, more of stunned him. It wasn't like he didn't drop him too hard, but, uh, yeah, that's about all on that one. Um, it's pretty, pretty close fight, but, uh, yeah, Azur, he took the first two rounds and won the fight. Yeah. And it was, like you said, it was pretty textbook, pretty, um, basic, uh, wasn't super impressed with Hunter Azur. Uh, Cole Smith's tough. Wasn't super impressed with him either. No disrespect to these guys, but it's like uh, Hunter Azur is a wrestler. He looked like he was kind of gassed out. Cole Smith looked like he was tired, but came on in the third round. Just kind of a uh, Hunter Azur got up two round wrestling style, landed some punches in the first round, but he looked tired in the third. Um, coasted his way to victory. He was a size pretty sizable favorite. Had him on a bunch of parlays, um, so he cashed for me there. But other than that, I don't have anything to add to it. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. A, it wasn't yeah. a bad fight. Like nothing. Nothing bad to say about it. Yeah, JLT unimpressed fight of the week. <laughs> yeah, we could we could give it that considering uh, these other these other fights. Uh, moving on, we got uh, Viviane Arujo Arujo versus uh, Montana De La Rosa. Uh, what was DC watching in this fight? <laughs> Dude, DC <laughs> is maybe dating Montana De La Rosa behind the scenes or something. He acted like. If you would just like listen to the commentary and not uh, and watch the fight, like if you were blind, you would think Montana De La Rosa won that fight 100% and came out untouched. But in reality, she's bleeding all over the place and getting her ass kicked for three rounds. And DC just talking about how good of her, how good her striking looks the entire time when her the way for her to win that fight is to take it down to the ground and submit her. So it it, it was crazy. It just didn't make any sense. I'm sitting there like, am I? Did they mix up the audio with this fight or something? I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and it came out of nowhere. It was like halfway through round two. He just like piped up quickly. It was like somebody was in his ear like, hey, uh, start start uh, making this one interesting or something. He's like, ah, yeah, she's, she's looking good in the second round. She might have stole the second round. It was never close. Like nothing about it was close. Arujo beat the crap out of her. She looks good, man. She looks like a she looks like a really solid fighter. Like I didn't see any much ground game because it didn't go to the ground, but I mean, I, I believe she's pretty um, adequate down there, too. So, uh, yeah, But her striking. Brazilian, so she has a black belt, for sure. <laughs> and she's Brazilian, so <laughs> she's Brazilian on steroids. So. Yeah, on steroids, has a black belt. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought I thought Aruja looked really good. Her striking looked crisp. It looked quick. Um, using feints to draw out uh, De La Rosa's counters that were kind of working in the first round. Uh, but overall, she, she dominated that fight from uh, bell to bell. 
Um, you know, it wasn't even close, no matter what DC says. Um, that, <laughs> that was wild. And I think this was probably uh, JLT just bleed fight of the night, in my opinion. I don't know. I haven't really discussed this one with you yet, but you know, I think it probably is. Yeah, for sure nominee. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to trail back through all of them before I can uh, say for sure. For sure nominee. I uh, I had this fight going the distance in in uh, just a prop it, and uh, I was afraid it was gonna be ended to le- by leg kicks. I was afraid that she was just going to go down and knock it back up, and they were going to do the old leg kick knockout. Do you see how bad she uh, chewed up her leg? Yeah, it was pretty bad. And what what is uh, Montana De La Rosa doing? Like, you need to take the fight to the ground. You don't even try. I think maybe she tried once in the first round. I, and she must have, I think, I got a theory that uh, De La Rosa, maybe, you know, you can hear everything going on there. She heard DC talking about how good of she was doing at striking and decided it got in her head and she thought she was actually doing that good at striking and decided not to take it to the ground. Something because come on, give me a break. Like her striking has improved. It did look better, but she was fighting a striker that was clearly much better than her. So what what are you doing? Take the use your striking to get it to the ground. And you know, she didn't try to do that at all and she got pieced up and uh, she was a bloody mess by the end of that fight. Yeah, and another point to that is one ref actually did give her round two. So I think yeah, the ref... Yeah, I'm convinced that was the one sitting next to D.C. That's think? exactly it. I think that ref was listening to D.C. and probably zoning out. So uh, could be. Um, that's the only explanation I could come up with for giving her a round. So, yeah, I don't know what the deal was with that. But um, Arujo looks like a legit, a legit contender, especially at that weight class. So... Uh, I mean, she'll definitely be one to watch. I didn't. She's only been around since 2019. I thought she'd been around longer than that. I've definitely seen some of her fights. Uh, no, uh, who, Aruja? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think she's somewhat new, but she seems like she has been, right? I don't know. Sometimes you get these Brazilians mixed up because there's they all fight pretty <laughs> That's what similar. I was just thinking they all wear yellow and green. Um, they all look kind of similar. Like th- their names are all obviously they're from the same country, so they're. There's some features to us that seem similar. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I know I've seen her fight before. So, and, uh, I know I've seen, I knew she was good. So that's why I bet her. I only put her on a couple parlays though. Learned my lesson last week about, um, girls getting arm barred from guard regularly. So, uh, I only put her in a couple parlays, but I did think she would win this fight. I was confident in her. So I put her, I did include her in a few. So I broke my own rule the first week I had it of uh, no women's MMA fights in my parlays, but uh, it paid off because she looked good. Yeah, and this one was one that I I think was pretty safe. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was a good fight, though. Better than than expected, I thought. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of blood. That that was a very beat-up Montana De La Rosa. Yeah, but she looked great. (laughs) DC loved it. All right, we'll (laughs) move on, though, to... uh, JLT good guy certified Brian Kelleher versus Ray Rodriguez. This fight was uh, over almost immediately after it started. I think it was a 40-second fight. Kelleher locks in the guillotine. His his signature move that um, Ray Rodriguez just put himself right into. Uh, cutting Ray Rodriguez some slack. This is literally a 24-hour notice fight. Um, I don't who know. We don't know anything about him. I, I don't know anything about him. Um, another good win for Kelleher. This guy, uh, kind of just goes to show if you, I mean, he's a guy that's always available. He'll fight anyone anytime and it paid off for him this time. And it's paid off for him a lot this year. Yeah. I mean, four fights in, uh, 2020, he's three and one. Um, 
He's three and one now. He won a performance of the night um, this week, so he's got two performance of the night bonuses and one fight of the night bonus in uh, in 2020. So he's having a real good 2020. Um, COVID's been good for this guy. Yeah, big time COVID winner. He actually, I saw on Twitter, he has uh, made three hundred and fifty five thousand dollars so far in um, UFC fight uh, money purses. So. That's a good year for a guy in, at his in his position, um, fighting different weight classes. Well, including including bonuses. Oh, including his bonuses because he's made, yeah. That's one hundred and fifty k in bonuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's cleared three hundred fifty five thousand this year, and he still. I mean, a forty second win, he didn't get touched. He could fight again in two weeks, and he probably will. I mean, I think that's his goal. So. Um, I mean, he's gonna be. He could be north of half a million by the end of the year. Not that I usually get into the financials, but that's a good year for a fighter, um, especially under these circumstances. So, uh, just kind of the one thing you hear a lot of those uh, social justice uh, warrior UFC bashing journalists talk about is like you can't make a living off this, and it doesn't pay to be a company man. Blah blah blah. This guy answers the phone. He fights. He puts in good fights, and uh, he's doing really well. So. Uh, He's also JLT Good Guy certified, which is a is a distinct honor around here. So, um, we love to see it. Yep. Exactly, and, uh, and and not to mention, gonna probably clear half a million for for a guy at of Brian Kelleher's level of fight. Not to say he's not a great fighter. He is a good fighter, but he's not. He's clearly not a top guy. He's not. Yeah, a top exactly. Fifteen, even so, like for him to clear that much, that that's a good year. And not even like a super well known fighter. It's like there's he's doing it strictly off of his um a, like his. He's doing it in the octagon. Like, he's entertaining outside the octagon, but he just doesn't have that big of an audience. I mean, he's a way better rapper than Tyron Woodley. I don't know if you've heard his raps and, like, seen any of that stuff, but, like, he uh he puts out some no. good material. We, really? He needs a post-fight rap in the, uh, in the octagon interview. Yeah, he needs to freestyle or some, something to get his uh get him a little more popular. But he, uh yeah, I mean, he's just uh, he's doing his thing. He's uh, winning inside the octagon. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll cut Ray Rodriguez a break because 24 hours notice is pretty tough. And uh, Yeah, but it's like you got 24 hours. At least like the one thing is like this guy's got a sick guillotine. Don't stick your head in there in the first 40 seconds, bro. Like I think you could figure that out in 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, who was our guy last week? Uh, Austin Springer, was that his name? I could Austin be saying. Austin Springer, yep. Okay, see, I said I wouldn't forget his name, and I, I didn't. If he would have got submitted in 40 seconds, I would have uh, cut him more of a break than I did. So I'm cutting Ray Rodriguez more of a break. But yeah, uh, tw- 24 hours, all you need is about 10 seconds. Do not get, don't go near his guillotine. Game over, like safe, you're safe. But uh, he dove right into it head first. And um, good for Brian Kelher. I mean, talk about a 40 second work day at the office and a 50k bonus. So, um, I mean, it pays to be pays to answer the phone, I guess. Yep. Exactly. So that's all I got on that one, though. Great 2020 so far. Brian Keller killing it. Um, Ray Rodriguez, JLT, you know, JLT, bad student, you know, <laughs> bad game plan JLT of the night. Dummy. Yeah. JLT, bad game plan of the evening. It usually doesn't work, but maybe if I tried. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, not a great move again. I don't know. I will. I will forget Ray Rodriguez's name. I forgot what he even looked like already, but we will move on, though. Um, to Andre Muniz versus um, Bartosz Fabinski. Uh, did I say that right? Uh, I think I did. 
Yeah, um, Muniz versus Fabinski, yep. Yep, all right. So <clears throat> this was the only – I did pretty well this weekend betting. This was the only fight I got wrong, and it, I didn't know who they were anyway, so it didn't, uh, didn't, make, me, it didn't make me too upset. So um, Muniz wins by armbar, and it sounded like leading into the fight that was his path to victory the whole time was a submission. He was an underdog, I believe. And, um, yeah, I mean, he set that armbar up quick. And uh, didn't get the ladies' armbar this week, but we did get a guy's armbar. So the armbar is still very much in play no matter where you go. Yeah, but this was a good one. Like you said, um, look, Fabinski, he ended up on top. Um, Muniz, he kind of faked like he was uh, setting up a triangle, which I guess he really was. But then he quickly transitioned it to an armbar, and uh, and he tapped right away. Um, he, Muniz's grappling, he looked slick. looked like he had a huge advantage of the ground. And, um, you know, the one thing Fabinski needed to do in this fight is keep it standing. And instead, he goes for a takedown, plays right into the opponent's strength. Um, we're giving him uh, we're giving Fabinski, JLT bonehead of the night nominee. I guess he'll be competing with Ray Rodriguez for that. I already had a name for that, so I don't know why I didn't say that one for, the, <laughs> for Ray Rodriguez. But, yeah, those are the two bonehead of the week nominees. Yeah, and I'm definitely leaning towards our uh... – our guy here, uh, Fabinski, because he was also the favorite in this fight. So, um, I don't know. I, then again, you talk about a guy whose signature move is the guillotine and you put yourself in a guillotine. I don't know, but, uh, maybe I'm a little more attached to the Fabinski one because I picked him to win. So I was a little bummed out about that, but yeah, that was, this was also a pretty quick fight, uh, quick arm bar. Just can't get away from arm bars. Like they're going to happen. I guess there's no, uh, there's no stopping the old arm bar. It's like, um, it's like the early days all over again. Swear, I swear we're seeing more arm bars than we used to see. Like, they went away for yeah, a while. They're nonstop, and they're mostly women's fights. But every once in a while, one pops up in a men's fight. So, yeah, they're the worst thing about women's fights is they can be winning and then get arm. Like they can be winning landslidishly and then get arm barred. So, but the arm bar is always in play. Nothing, uh, nothing other, uh, nothing else outrageous here. We'll move on to. An actually outrageous fight, an awesome fight. My guy, our guy, JLT's guy, Michelle Perea versus um, Zolim Imadanov. Uh, I just call him the guy that got bitch slapped. Imadayev. I'm calling him the guy yeah. that got bitch slapped. Uh, Michelle Perea did not. I. Good thing I didn't put anything on the line here. I guaranteed a backflip. He did not do a backflip. He did do a front flip though. Ooh. Does yeah. that count? I mean, I, he did a flip, so let's just say I said he was going to do a flip. I should have just said flips. But anyways, he wasn't clowning around, though. I mean, he came to fight. Like, he, you could tell he was uh, going back to his – I mean, he. Th- the best thing about this fight from a, like a fan perspective, I like the guy a lot, and as a betting perspective is they actually gave us the line on the fact that he could easily do something very stupid and lose it and gas himself out. So this was actually a close betting line, even though he was clearly like just far superior to his opponent. And um, there was bad blood here because uh, Imadayev decided to uh, slap him or punch him or kind of like do put hands on him during the weigh-in. So uh, this was like some street justice being served in the octagon. Yeah, and Pareto, he had a... He landed a partially landed a showtime kick, and he um, he hit him with a Superman punch off the fence too. So he was still throwing some crazy stuff, although being in control. Uh, I think it's uh, I was very impressed by uh, Pareda's uh, performance there. He uh, 
he found a balance between being a wild man and, um, you know, conserving his gas tank that I think um, could take him a long way in this division. Absolutely. Like, he looked, like, super legit in there. Like, and he's huge. The guy is huge um, for being, well, 170. Like, he was, first of all, he's shredded. He's from Brazil, so he's on steroids. Just goes, you just, I mean, it's just uh, understanding. Um, still like the guy, but uh, no backflips to burn gas. They didn't show his walkout, so he saved his energy during that. So, I mean, he was coming in with a full gas tank. He never even looked like he got tired. And um, how about spit, How about kissing your hand and slapping a guy, like, repeatedly, like, numerous times? Like, how humiliating, how embarrassing to uh, to get treated like that inside the octagon by your opponent? That has to be, like, the biggest – and he, the guy deserved it. Like, that's the best part. That's He wasn't humiliating a guy who didn't deserve it. This dude deserved it. Um, I want to say I looked into Imadayev's uh, record before this, and he was, like – undefeated coming into the UFC but he had never fought a guy with a uh, pro fight everybody he fought was zero and zero leading up to it so um I think he had a padded record I think he was a can crusher I think it was a setup but they gave us pretty good odds on this one and I jumped all over it uh and yeah, I mean Imadai he barely threw any punches the entire fight he uh he kind of just stood there and got uh you know got unloaded on most of the fight <laughs> He was getting, st- he was taking some stingers. He was one of those slaps literally staggered him. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was more like a palm strike almost. Like he landed <laughs> it pretty hard. Yeah, it was straight over the top, too. Um, did you hear them keep bringing up that uh, Imadayev was 60 and one in kick or not kick in, in boxing in uh, whatever he's from? Uh, Chechnya, yeah, or, yeah th- I did. Yeah, I mean, I'm calling, I'm calling fraud a word on that. Yeah, I'm calling fraud yeah. alert on that. They're always like 70 and 0 or uh, 102 or something. So uh, yeah, I'm calling fraud alert on might that. Have been, might have been fighting children or something. <laughs> yeah, he was not a. <laughs> he wasn't fighting anybody of Michelle Perea's uh, caliber. So that was a uh, that was a good win though. But I mean, yeah. And uh, by the way, I had Perea by finish because I'm like I think he's gonna win, and the only way this guy can win is by finish because he'll be clown he'll gas himself out otherwise. So uh, his finish, I didn't even JLT see. JLT like, lockbox of the night. Oh, yeah, big time. And here's how it went down. ESPN Plus is good for at least one crash, maybe two, maybe three. I only had one, so it's getting better. But it crashed 10 seconds before the finish. So I t- crashed, reload, uh, get the get it back up, and everyone's just kind of standing around. I'm like, okay, what happened here? Because like, there was still a minute, a minute left in the fight or whatever. And uh, I had no idea what happened. So uh, that was a nice surprise. I, I assume the wor- I always assume the worst. Like, you feel like if the when the when the stream crashes, and uh, you you like just assume everything just goes to shit. Like you're not controlling it with your brain anymore or something. So I came back in and like, oh shit! But he uh, won by rear naked choke, which I believe he was like plus thirteen hundred to win by submission. And uh, at, nobody's gonna Jeez. complain about this, but he did not. The Imadive did not tap. Like it wasn't even close. But nobody's gonna no, complain about I this. No, it one. doesn't matter. The fight was over regardless but it matters to me also i got uh got some bad news for you espn plus has been working fine i think it's your wi-fi oh no yeah <laughs> yeah my, uh, my usually, crash. <laughs> usually i go on I twitter watch this fight usually i'm on twitter checking though and uh usually quite a few people even my arch enemies like one time luke thomas's espn plus was sink crashing sinking with mine like three times that was when gaslam got subbed um so that time it was, but yeah, my internet has not been good. Like as you can see, um, I mean, if you're listening, you can't see, but if you you can see, I'm in a new location again in my 
um, another another location, we'll just say. So I'm uh, I'm still bouncing around. I'm still looking for a home. The uh, podcasting couch was perfect for the first 18 episodes, and then um, ever since a tree took out my AT&T, we've been uh, we've been battling since. So, uh, but so far so good this week. But yeah, uh, yeah, fuck that tree. Yeah, I hate that tree for what it did to me. So, but anyhow, good luck this week though, because as soon as I popped that stream back up, I saw Perea had won by um, by submission, rear naked choke, despite not having any type of uh, lower body connection to uh, his opponent and uh it didn't really look like a choke but man he was beating the shit out of that guy nobody's gonna complain about that i don't even think uh have complained about that and uh i mean let's just jump to the interview then and say that perea may have been uh getting a little carried away calling off the bmf belt saying he wants the next shot at that mm-hmm. but other than that right. perfect night for him like, stay in your lane a little bit buddy come on just a little bit like, I mean, it wasn't too it wasn't too long ago you got beat by that dorky Canadian that I can't remember his name. Tristan so. Connolly. Kristen Connolly, yeah. You got beat by Kristen Connolly in your last within three fights. You do not deserve um a BMF title fight. You Tri- actually getting Tristan. beat by Chris- Tristan Connolly disqualifies you for life from per- competing for the BMF belt. You can still be JLT certified though, and Michelle Perret is JLT certified. And he did at least three backflips in that Pere- or in that uh, Connolly fight. So I mean, take it, or, take it or leave it. Like he's he's an entertainer. At the end of the day, I mean, what? That's the reason a lot of people were watching this fight. So, and he's high up on the that card. So, so yeah. I mean, this dude is just pure entertainment, though. Like if you missed his fights in the past, go rewatch them. If you missed this fight, watch it and go watch his neck. Like, do not miss this guy's fights. Like I don't care who he's fighting. It's pure entertainment. I hope we get back to where we can watch his walkouts again because they're like seven minutes long. He does flips during his walkouts, which may have saved him in this one that they don't show walkouts. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan. Like that Tristan Connolly fight, I was laughing so hard, like I had like severe stomach pain because I didn't know who he was. I had no idea, and all of a sudden he's doing backflips, running off the cage, like chasing Connolly around. But he uh, Connolly had a good game plan and let him gas himself out. So, um, not much more to add to that one. You got anything else to add to that one? Other than it was uh, some some street nope. justice was served. Yeah, I, I do think Pareda, he uh, it's ready. He put on a put on a great performance, and I do think he really deserves a step up in competition. I do not think he deserves Masvidal, but um, you know, let's get him something. Um, you know, I heard Leon Edwards is looking for a fight. Oh yeah, don't worry, I'm saving Leon Edwards for a little bit. All right, <laughs> so we'll we'll move on though to uh, OSP versus Alonzo Menafield. I stayed away from this one from a betting perspective because I didn't like it. The uh, Alonzo Menafield was a small favorite. OSP was a small underdog. Um, I didn't know which way this one was going to go. I did not expect OSP to dominate, though. He dominated the entire fight. He It was his fight start to finish. Yep. Yeah, it was close, but he was clearly clearly winning the entire time. You know, it wasn't like he was – it was a complete domination. I didn't think at least, but he was clearly ahead of the whole time. Uh, I think Menafield was a little bit gun shy um, after his last fight. He was too worried about gassing himself out that he kind of didn't couldn't put the performance together and kind of played right into OSP's um, you know OSP's hands. Uh, and uh, definitely OSP wins the JLT knockout of the night. Um, I mean, his only competition was Overeem, and that was a TKO really. So. Yeah, and it was uh, this one's hard to top. I've seen OSP get knocked out exactly like this before. So he uh. 
He took uh, took one out of his own book and put it on him, going stepping backwards, caught him flush on the chin. Uh, Menafield had no idea where he was. This is one of the first times I've ever heard a ref talking to a guy who just got knocked out. He's like, uh, I believe it was Herzog, and he's saying, hey, man, you just got caught. You just got caught. Stay down. I've never heard that exchange before. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, and just kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, when you get put face first in the canvas, you got, you're knocked out cold. That's a, that's a JLT knockout of the night every time. Yeah, and good guy, good guy OSP for walking off and not laying any, laying any more on him, and he certainly had 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 his share of getting knocked out. So, uh, and uh, his chin really actually held up because Menafield land, was landing some good uh, some good lead hooks right off the bat. I thought, I thought it was fifty fifty for the first two minutes of the fight, and then once OSP started establishing that front kick and the jab, uh, Menafield really never got back. Yeah, it wasn't a landslide fight, and anybody could win at any second. But uh, it was OSP's game plan. I mean, he was he was the uh, he was controlling the fight. He was the uh, the uh, uh, commander of the octagon. I would say it's kind of a weird term, but um, he was yeah, definitely and, dictating and Menafield it. Was land- Menafield was landing some shots, but they weren't placed very well. Like they weren't on the jaw. They were kind of like you know random weird spots. Like he was it. You know it wasn't. They weren't knockout punches. Yeah, and yeah, and he never even. Whereas I mean, OSP's nothing- was was right on oh, the button. Oh man, that was flush. That was on the button. Oh, oh yeah. All right, so yeah, so you dug up some stats for us here. You uh you looked up uh OSP now has 11 finishes, which is the most in UFC light heavyweight history. According to John Anik, I didn't do any digging. He said that on the broadcast. Oh, well, I mean, if John Anik said it, then it's as good as good as you can get. I mean, one of the best in the business behind our guy Goldie. So yeah, I mean, uh OSP's been around a long time and one of those fights, man, where you just think the experience factor is going to play a, play a, potentially play a role, and that's part of the reason I stayed away from it. I don't have all the trust in the world in OSP, but uh, I have a lot of faith in veteran in uh, veteran fighters coming up against uh, kind of like young guns, somewhat unproven. And uh, I had a bad feeling about this one, but I didn't know which way it was going to go, so I steered completely clear of this fight. Don't think I put a single wager on it, and um, I think that was a smart move by me. Because I don't know who I don't even know who I would have taken. So, but yeah, I mean, big win for OSP. I'm not sure what his um, what his plan is now. He was back. He was up at heavyweight, not looking so great about two months ago. Then he had COVID, and uh, now he's getting it back down at light heavyweight, looking good, getting it done. So uh, good for good good for OSP. Yep. Yeah. Easy cut after COVID. <laughs> yeah. He already had the co- He already lost the COVID weight. So anyhow, we'll move on though to our main event. This one was good. This one was uh this this fight could have been on this could have been a, this was a good fight on any card, but um especially stands out on this card. Um Alistair the Demolition Man, aka Overeem, aka the Reem, versus Augusto Sakai. And uh you called this one perfectly. If you want to know what happened in the fight, just go watch the episode last week where you said exactly what was gonna happen. It did happen. I was still nervous watching it though. For the first two rounds. Yeah. Yeah, you can't watch a Reem fight. You can't have money on a Reem fight, betting on Reem, and then not be nervous because you know there's you're seconds away from him getting put his, his lights put out at any 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 moment. But, I mean, against Sakai, I felt pretty good about it. Um, kind of uh, even after the first two rounds, I wasn't that worried. I mean, they were um, they were actually pretty close. Um you know, I, I rewatched him today. I did watch this one of the only fights. I watched half of the Pereira fight, and I watched uh, I watched all of this fight. And 
I thought I remembered it being a lot more, the first two rounds being a lot more in Sakai's favor than they really were. They were pretty close, and, they, you know, maybe round one could have even gone to Overeem. Um, very close rounds the first two rounds, but then, you know, Overeem really figured them out. Um, you know, Sakai was landing some good flurries um, throughout the fight, but then Overeem, you know, He's a vet. He realized he can take him down, and um, Sakai just can't get up once he's uh, once he's on the ground. And uh, Overeem landed some great ground and pound in uh, in rounds three, four, and then finished him pretty quickly in five. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like you said, he was landing quite a bit, but man, that guy is sloppy. Like, have you ever seen a puncher that sloppy? Like that much of like a? I mean, it was like I. His I mean, physical yeah. appearance matches his striking ability. Exactly. His physical appearance matches his fighting style. Like, to a T, I could not think of a guy who looks more like they fight than Augustus, Augusto Sakai. There was some stuff coming into this fight. Um, Sakai had never been finished. He only had two losses, although there was some questionable judging in his last two wins. Um, a lot of things lined up to look like I mean, we got great value in this fight, too. This Not only was it our lock of the week last week, you, you called it perfectly, but that was at plus one or at minus 135 for Overeem. So that was a really close. It ended up closing at minus 200. So I think a lot of people jumped on Overeem. And, um, well, it opened, get this, it opened at minus 200. It got steamed to minus 145, and then it got shot back up towards the end. I think it was like minus 170 when I was looking at it on my book before the fight. Uh, Sakai was minus 400 after the first round. Talk about insanity. And I understand why, but um, that would have been the time to jump in too. But I felt like I had so much riding on Overeem winning that uh, my way of hedging was just not touching anything throughout the course of that fight. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I was nervous. But I felt like the, Augusto Sakai is so sloppy. Like I think the biggest takeaway for me from him as a heavyweight possible contender, maybe, maybe not, is we we know what his ceiling is now. Like we know exactly um, what he's capable of, and not much more. Yeah, I think he's about Tanner Bozer level. Bozer, <laughs> you're, you're always bringing Bozer, Tanner Bozer into bulldozer this. Bulldozer beats him. I I think the I think the bulldozer could have a chance. I mean, he moves so much better, and uh, Sakai didn't move too bad or anything like that. It's just he just not really like like I said. Take a look at the guy. His fighting style matches his appearance perfectly. Um, you're talking about a legend in Alistair Overeem. Overeem five years ago would have this wouldn't even have been a close fight. But um, I expected. I didn't expect the fight to go this way though. I thought Overeem would uh, stay on the outside. I thought he would kickbox him, and I thought he'd do that little runaway thing he does or he's been doing. And um, I thought he would just kickbox him. I thought I thinking Brock Lesnar body kicks. Um, Kind of stay in the pocket a little more than he should, but still, but outstrike him. He just he just basically forfeited the stand up. He got some good clinch work in, landed some decent shots, um, but it was all on the ground. I mean, his ground and pound was like uh, he looks like he's been working with Curtis Blades. Yeah, yeah, he looked good. Um, yeah, and once he realized that that was you know the way to go, and Sky couldn't get up, it was it was game over from that point on. Uh, man, it was good to see. We love seeing Overeem win, hate to see him lose, so uh, big Overeem fan here. Uh, I just think it's pretty, you know, 
it's a testament to Overeem how he's been able to change his game over the years um, and really, you know, evolve with the sport while, um, you know, aging quite a bit and being one of the older competitors in the division now. Yeah, and his body changing so much. Like he did. Yeah. He was a 205er when he started. But yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, perfect game plan. And then he went to like super heavyweight, <laughs> having to cut down to 265, being jacked out of his mind. Yeah, then he went to his meet, his biceps now, weighing 205. Now back to, yeah, now he's back to a normal uh, a normal heavyweight. Yeah, talk about a career. That guy's had a career. So, yeah, love to see him win. Um, again, I don't know what – I feel like we saw what the ceiling is for Sakai. I don't know what the future is for Overeem. Probably won't be long before we see him get uh, caught on the caught square on the button again. But um, good win for good win for the Ream. And uh, like you said, I mean, just perfect game plan. Uh, I Sakai was terrible on the ground. Like I think he was exposed. He was basically a, a tortoise on its back. Like when you see those turtles fall over. Um, he was. Could, you he could, wasn't even trying to get up. No. He, if, you, if you know if Derek Lewis's motto is just get up, like. It's a guy. Is just just stay there and get your ass kicked. Just don't even try. Uh, he landed a pretty scary up kick though. Where he swung it like an axe, an axe up kick that landed pretty flush on a on Overeem's chin. The first then round four that kind of freaked me out. I was like, oh man, that would just be my luck and Overeem's luck to get caught like that, like uh, Nico Price caught uh, James Vick, but um, didn't happen. And uh, yeah, I mean you. JLT could argue that that was an early stoppage, but no one's complaining about that one either. Yeah, he was done. He didn't want to be there. Um, no, and he so he wasn't going to get up. That. I'm a just I'm a just bleed guy, but I'm fine with that stoppage. So we'll because yep. uh, that was over. her. I would have been fine with it being stopped in the fourth round too. He was just kind of just sitting there taking it. He didn't want to be there. He was done. Yeah, you think he gassed him out? You think that was the game plan? Um. I don't think he was really gassed out until – I don't think he would have gassed. I mean, it's not like the fight was at a high pace or anything. The first two rounds were fairly slow. I think, you know, people get – once you get smashed up by that ground and pound, you gas, you know. Once you uh, once you get hurt, that gasses you sometimes more than uh, more than your output. Yeah, two refs – I believe two refs had a 10-8 round for that round four. That was – I mean, he yeah, only got him down yeah, for the last went. two minutes, but it was for a pretty ferocious ground and pound. He cut him open pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily like that. It seems like Nevada gives out 10-8s a lot easier than most places. Oh, um, yeah. I don't necessarily agree with it being a 10-8, but, um, you know, I think he, he would have had to have him down for about three and a half to four minutes and dominate him like that for it to be. But, um, you know, he w- he was winning the striking exchanges in the beginning of that fourth round for the first two minutes or so, so I, I don't really see that could possibly be a 10-8 in my yeah, opinion. I mean- uh, Overeem was just hurtling up and back to Nevada, giving out a lot of 10, eight rounds, um, little better tip that hasn't paid off quite. I mean, it's only, it's only, pay, it, I'm probably like even on it, but, um, they give out a lot of 10, eight. So it's not a bad idea to put a tiny amount on the draw that pays 60 to one. If you think a fight can go back and forth a little bit, super talk about luck box, but, um, anytime it's in Nevada and those 10, eights, um, you need one in 60 fights to be a, uh, to come out a draw to, uh, be ahead on that. So. I did the math on that over the weekend because, um, I mean, there's fights you can kind of pick out that have draw potential, but this one did not, obviously, because it didn't go to the judges. But, I mean, hey, if it did, you never know. So um, that's just a random fact. Don't blame me when you lose all your money being an idiot because draws don't happen that often. But um, with more 10-8s, there's going to be more draws. And I think most people don't care about more draws. I'm, I don't know. I don't love them, but I don't. Um, 
I think they're give, I don't like. I don't really like how people want more ten eights. Like I agree with you. I think ten nine is the right score for that round four. Yeah, I mean definitely. I I agree with more ten eights than there used to be. I mean it used to be virtually impossible to get a ten eight. Like you just have not impossible, but you'd literally have to kick their ass from bell to bell. Um, you know I think it should be a little easier than that, but like you should have to clearly dominate at least three and a half to four minutes of the fight, and that other minute to a minute and a half, you shouldn't. You know, you shouldn't be getting your ass kicked at all. It should be pretty pretty close, at least. Yeah, it should be like a, a TKO that doesn't quite happen, like well on its way to a TKO that just didn't happen. But yep. yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I keep, just keep and hearing it, yeah, more. The they other want... person shouldn't be having success for half the round. How does, you know, Zakai can't win half the round and get over him get a 10-8 because he won half the round better. Right, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think they're going off of the kind of that they're maybe claiming he was saved by the bell. I don't know. Like I said, I don't agree with it, but I think you're gonna we're gonna see more draws happening. But um, just to uh, bring it all back around, uh, Overeem looked really good. You think he's gonna make get, make a title run here and maybe not win the title, but get another title shot? I think it's entirely uh, possible. Yeah, I was gonna go with I was gonna go with the UFC champion, but it just seemed <laughs> a little too out. I thought that uh, maybe title shot was good enough. Let's record a UFC champion one after, like a uh, when we're done filming the episode, and then if he does win, I'll I'll splice it in, and we will. Uh, I mean, no one else Change is saying history. that for sure, so um, we'll look really good. Just so, just a few, uh, just little tricks. But anyhow, big win for Overeem. He'll get a good another good opponent. Another win for him. Um, that's two during COVID. Here looked good in both fights. Great value in both fights. So I mean. Uh, Overeem's definitely uh, on the up and up, and uh, at 40 years old, he wants another he wants another chance of the title, and that's all he's interested in. And I can't blame him, and I'd love to see it. So, um, just to uh, kind of final remarks about the card, I would say I loved it that it was only seven fights. It was it was started and finished pretty quickly. They had some awesome promos in there. Still getting jacked up about the Costa Adesanya promo. Uh, that one's that's just one of their one of the best ones I've seen, or maybe I just get hyped up by it. Uh, I love when uh, I love when Kosa says uh, I want to show them that I'm their champion. That's like one of my favorite. Uh, I need like that as a ringtone or something. <laughs> I am their champion. Let's do it, champion. Yeah, it's almost sound, you almost sound like you're doing a GSP impression when you do your Costa impression. GSP, I I fight the army of people. But anyways, all <laughs> right, so champion. <laughs> Anyhow, let's not get too carried away um, because I had a point to make there that it was uh, I was good with the card, short card, COVID card. Uh, we got to stop losing these fights. It's kind of goofy that we're just like, it's just mayhem at the moment. I don't know if they're all training in the same gym. Why is everybody getting COVID? But we got to get back to Abu Dhabi. We're, um, we're going to make sure that does not happen. But seven fights didn't hurt my feelings at all because it was a pretty quick night. And let's be honest, this wasn't like a, any type of marquee matchups. The main event was great. Uh, a couple of guys on the card were interesting to see, but otherwise it's just uh, another card just to put out fights. Um, and I appreciate the entertainment, but I was okay with uh, cutting a few off there. Yeah, and and John Anik, I think he officially said the other day that on, one, on his podcast, maybe last week or something, that I'm pretty sure he said that there is an event scheduled every day, every not every day, every Saturday for the rest of the for the rest of 2020. So, I mean, I don't get why they need so many fights. Like they've already more than caught up for the month that they missed during COVID. So like, what's, what's the deal here? Like if, 
you're just putting on fights to put on fights. I don't know if ESPN was like, we need more content, but they don't right now. All the other leagues are in are in full swing. So I, I, I don't see I don't see why it is that we're having to put together cards like this at such short notice. Um, you know, where you're flying people in, you don't know if they have COVID or not because you haven't had enough time to test anyone. So they get there and then you find out. Um, you know, at least a week off every two months would be all right. Yeah, we decided to start a podcast and now we're now we're strapped into this roller coaster ride where we can't we get zero breaks. <laughs> like we have not got a break in so long. I I stopped saying back to back because it's been like I'd have to say like 20 backs now. I don't even know how many back to backs it's been. Um so yeah, I mean I would watch them anyways though. Like I don't know what else to say. Like this is just part of my life, but um and like like in your case, you can always go back and rewatch them, but seven fights is nice to rewatch, a lot nicer than 11. Yeah, or 14. You missed that one. That'd been rough. Yeah. So uh, I give the card a decent grade. I don't know if I want to get graded out of 10, maybe like a six and a half, seven out of 10, whatever. Um, nothing nothing outrageous, but uh, um, I mean, it was uh, another good card. I mean, just kind of blends in with all the rest of them. The entertain- entertainment value has been high. Like, we haven't lost much with the COVID. So um, definitely happy with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're getting a few guys that don't deserve to be in there pop up every once in a while. But overall, I mean, the fight quality's still been, you know, at very high level. So you can't complain too much. And you know, it seems like with the short notice, I think guys are having less time to tape study and whatnot, and and game plan, and um, it's leading to some more wars than usual. Yeah. What do you think finishes. the betting? Are you doing better during COVID betting wise? Yeah. I think I've definitely found a niche, like kind of an angle. Nothing special, just like I think these lines are a little easier to sniff out, and uh, I think they're leaving some value out there on a lot of them. I think there's some more shift in these than there normally would be because a lot of these lines come out so late, um, and uh, I just think it's been favorable for me. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest interests in watching every single fight partially is because, I mean, a lot of them I have a, at least some stake in just because I think there's a lot, I think I see a lot of value in a lot of these, in a lot of these fights. So I'm definitely doing better COVID, uh, COVID, COVID era betting. But at the same time, I've, I've done a lot, put a lot more legwork into, I don't know how intertwined that is, but, um, anyhow, so another COVID yeah, card down. But I, I lost money this week, but it was only because I didn't have access to internet. I had to put in my bets at a McDonald's and page Arizona on the way to, uh, Utah. Um, so and then I couldn't, the internet was dog shit there and I was watching the fights on my computer. So I didn't want to crash my stream by trying to place bets, live bets and stuff. Otherwise I would have been up. So, I mean, I think I lost and I lost, I lost like 30 bucks. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. I finished, I finished way up this week, a little bit of a humble brag there, but I'll bring myself back down to earth and say, I basically cleared my past two weeks of, uh, of bad mistakes. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm back at a, I'm back in a good place. So uh, that that made me that was nice, but um, yeah, I mean it was just a nice night where I I had six out of seven correct picks, and I had a whole lot of parlays coming down to Alistair over him winning that fight, and he came through for me. So uh, it was a uh, it was a joyous night. All right, that'll do it for our recap and everything else we covered there. So we'll move on to our fighter stocks now. Anyway, on a positive note, George St. Pierre is back. Fighting business, it's like the stock market. Some guys, sometimes their stock is high, some guys their stock is low, and it's a question of timing. I wanted to make a big boom in my comeback, and like I said, it's like the stock market. 
Right now, the guy who has the highest stock right now, it's Michael Bisping. Um, I'll let you start. Who you got going up? Going up, got my guy, Alistair Overeem. Uh, definitely going up all the way to a title shot. All right. I, <clears throat> I also had the Ream going up. That's, to me, fairly obvious one. Another fairly obvious one, I got Michelle Perea going up. Looking like a real, looking like a real uh, I don't want to say contender yet, but a real problem in that division and a real uh, a guy who could move, move his way up the rankings, no longer a goofball, now a serious fighter. Uh, definitely got the skill to do it. So, uh, Michelle Perea going, going up. I have, uh, Viviana Ruja going up, uh, going up to eventually get dethroned and, and mauled by, uh, Valentina Shevchenko one day. So, you know, uh, that's, you never buy a stock in the 125 division because it's gonna, it's gonna get tanked inevitably. Yeah. It's eventually going to get, uh, yeah, swallowed up. But I think you got a few more fights before, uh, you know, to get some, uh, you know, value out of before it. Uh, it gets, yeah, you'll uh, sell the week before. Um, you'll let her get up to the title shot, and then you'll sell that week. Smart yeah, move. Exactly. That's why you're. That's what. That's what makes you rich. All right, I have um, Brian Kelleher going up. Another quick win. Another quick cash. Another quick uh, performance of the night. Um, I mean, things are just looking good for um, Boom Kelleher. Business is booming. Yep. Next up, I got I got OSP going up. Yeah, that was my last one as well. Not much to say. Didn't get a Von Flew choke, but he did get a nice knockout. Um, not good work, OSP. You got any more going up? I got nothing else going up. We're on. Let's go to going down. All right, going down. Um, Montana De La Rosa. Uh, everybody, I think everybody agrees this stock was going down except for uh, uh, Daniel Cormier. Otherwise, I think everyone agrees. Took a very serious beating. Um, did things didn't look go her way? Maybe her striking improved. Maybe not. Uh, definitely improved. But I mean, it wasn't a good fight. Stocks going down. Yep, I agree there. Um, me stock going down. I got um, Gusto Sakai. Um, yep, like you said, he looks like a turtle on his back out there. Uh, you can't go up when you look like that. So sloppy, known for being sloppy, known for being, uh, yeah, you know, he's just not all there. Yeah, I know where you're going there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we saw a ceiling. That's the way I'm putting it. That's the nicest way I can put it. Um, the guy, Michael or Michelle Perea, bitch slapped stock has to go down. You can't get any lower as a human, as a fighter, as a, uh, as a member of earth, like, this man has been humiliated on national TV now. Um, stock, stock is uh, probably maybe penny stock now. Yep, and uh, the last one that I have uh, going down, I got a, I got Alonzo Menafield, and I think it's uh, it's bad matchmaking on his part taking uh, OSP after he gets beat by Devin Clark. He's on a roll up until he gets beat by Devin Clark. So show some holes in his game that he needs to work on. Then he thinks he's going to come out against OSP and fix those. Um, I think that was, uh, you know, not very smart at all. Um, I think, you know, he's a young fighter. He's still got tons of potential, but that was just, uh, you know, a bad fight to take, um, and it showed. So, you know, his stock's going down. He needs to uh, he needs to pick these fights better if he wants to, uh, you know, make a run in this division at all. Yeah, and I think, honestly, like dead serious, I think that's perfect analysis I was wondering the same thing, like, 
dude, your last fight was a loss to Devin Clark. How are you moving up? Like you won the fight by knockout. Like, isn't the logical step after after uh, flatlining Devin Clark, you move up to OSP? But he didn't flatline Devin Clark. He lost to Devin Clark. So, and yeah, you know, like, who's your manager, bro? <laughs> you need to let JLT manage you. We do a better job than that. Yeah, um, Alonzo, you got all the tools. Let it. Let's just get a better game plan. Um, I got one more going down. Did not fight. Has not fought in a while. Trying to get a fight. Leon Edwards, poor bastard. They'll talk about him, about everything, except about getting the guy a fight. And now it's just um, spiraled into like almost a clowning session, a roasting session. He's uh, he's taking shit from everybody now. Like Chael said, the, the, he does everything right except be interesting. Um, I've heard other fighters. He's trying so hard to get Jorge Masvidal to even acknowledge he exists. And uh, I don't even... He said something about the BMF. Now he's got Nate coming at him because Nate said, uh, Nate Diaz, you got effed up in the back for acting like you were, you were fight. Oh, acting like you were tight. This fight shit is same everywhere. In or out of the cage, you don't get punked ever. This goes for Kebab also. You guys are in last place now, LOL. <laughs> Classic. Kebab? What's he talking about Kabab. with Khabib? <laughs> I'm guessing Khabib. But what what's he talking about though? When did Khabib get punked? Um I don't know. I don't I'm know guessing. either. Maybe you got some inside info here. Maybe uh Khabib punked Artem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So but he anyhow, back to uh back to Leon Edwards though. So he calls him out basically for getting for getting uh the classic Jorge Masvidal three-piece backstage after the Darren Till fight. I admit this looked bad on Leon Edwards. The guy hasn't done anything wrong, though. He just can't get anyone to fight him. He was supposed to fight Woodley, but the COVID stuff happened, and he, they gave him, like, a day to get there or something, and he said, like, I can't leave my family. I don't know if I'll even be able to come back. But anyhow, I mean, I'm not saying his stock's going down, like, because I don't like him or anything. The guy just can't get anyone to fight him. Like, it's almost comical at this point. And now you got Nate Diaz making fun of you online. So that's going to sway yeah, the masses. That's going to sway the masses big time. He's a dork. Yeah. He's an embarrassment to us Edwards. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He is an Edwards as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just got to get across the pond and fight. Like, get this guy a fight. Like, somebody get this guy a fight. Like, let him fight anybody. I hate like, how him, I hate how Leon Edwards, Ariel, Especially Ariel is acting like this guy is like for sure the should be champion, but he can't get a fight. Like I, yeah. he doesn't have that many good wins. Like give me a break. Like this, you're acting like this guy is like, you know, elite caliber when we have no clue if he is or not. Like what he had a good performance against Cowboy when people thought Cowboy was good at 170. Give me a break. Yeah, and he already has a loss to Usman. So, I mean, it's like a. Uh... I mean, what? I don't even remember his last fight or his last win. I don't. I don't remember. Like, I agree, he's fairly forgettable, and that's not necessarily his fault. Like, what the guy do is talking in the octagon. I can respect that for sure. But I mean, it, like I said, it's gotten to be almost comical at this point. Like, they're almost talk now. They're talking about him a lot, but it's just about how he can't get a fight. So, and it doesn't seem to be turning. Yeah, the these are these are his wins. He is he is on a win streak, but it, he beat RDA last. He beat Gunnar Nelson in a split decision. You beat Gunnar Nelson in a split decision. That's a bad sign right uh -huh. there. Donald Cerrone, he went to he went to decision with Donald Cerrone. 
who everybody seems to knock out. It wasn't that long ago. Um, before that, he beat Peter Sabata by knockout. Big deal. He beat Brian. He decisioned Brian Barberino, who's who's durable. He won a decision against Vicente Luque and submitted Albert Terminov and w- went to decision with Dominic Waters. And then his last and then his last loss was Kamara Usman by decision. So it's not like that resume. He's winning these fights by decision. He's you know he's not knocking out anyone really and he's not fighting that tough a competition so i mean like i don't get where all of this leon edwards hype comes from um just because he got the three-piece in a soda and the backstage makes him some type of jaw and deserves some type of good fight like give me a break like gunner nelson was a second to last fight he beat him by split decision um you know yeah, that's a bad sign right somebody. there why do you deserve an elite an elite fight right now you don't look at look at your resume you don't yeah. Um, well, I mean, he's supposed to fight uh, Tyron Woodley, which probably would have made him look good if he beat Tyron Woodley. I'm not saying he would have. That would have been a good one for him. But like circumstances came up. I I think he want. I think people think he should get like the the Jorge Masvidal fight, just because they had a backstage altercation. That was after Masvidal knocked out Darren Till. Like Ter- Till was already ahead of um, Leon Edwards at that time. So I don't. I mean. I mean, I love a good backstory. Don't get me wrong, and I love uh, I love real beef being settled in the octagon. But um, I mean, I don't know if he's holding out for this one. I don't know what it is, but like it's. I mean, it, the bottom line is, I feel like his stock goes down every day. He doesn't get a fight because I. I mean, eventually they're going to stick him with somebody, and I don't think it'll be Nick Diaz. So I don't think he's going to get like a any type of uh, big uh, big payday excitement for him. So. I don't know, maybe like Wonder Boy or something. I don't know. Just let, let's get the guy a fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wonder Boy would be interesting, and I think he'd probably lose. So I'd like that fight. Yeah, I mean, Wonder Boy's my guy. You talk about a guy that's going to get another title shot late in his career. Let's go Wonder Boy. That's who I want to see up there at the top. So that's it for stocks going down. You got anyone else going down? Um, let me check. Uh, pull that back up. Uh, no, I do uh, not. All right, so that'll do it for our stocks with GSP. Move on to our segments, our other segments now. We'll start off with Isn't He Awesome. You, you, know, you, you, know what, you know what Connor told me? He says, I want Khabib in Russia. <laughs> Is he fucking awesome? He's like, I want Khabib in Russia. Yeah, Connor McGregor is a fucking unicorn. There's nothing like him. And uh, he's, 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 he's working on boxing Floyd Mayweather, and then he's talking about Khabib and Russia right after. It's just, those are the kind of things that make that kid a fucking superstar. Okay. You know? I got guys telling me, eh, I don't want to do, 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 you know, fucking, I don't want to fight this guy, and I don't want to do this. I want Floyd Mayweather, and I want fucking Khabib and Russia. How do you not love him? How do you not love Conor McGregor? I'll go first for Isn't He Awesome. I have Michelle Perea just because I love to see a good street beef make its way into the octagon and get settled the way um, the way it should be. I mean, get disrespected at weigh-ins, keep your cool, get in there in the octagon and absolutely humiliate him all within the rules, as Chael Sonnen would say, all within the unified rules of the, I don't even remember what the rest of that saying is, but he loves to say it, all within the unified rules of the mixed martial arts um, open hand slapping guy, kissing your hand and slapping him, staggering him with a slap, humiliating him, and then finally submitting him. Couldn't have gone any better. 
uh, this dude, uh, this clown tried to put hands on him at between round one and two. Like, what was that all about? Like, what was he thinking there? He just got completely yeah, outclassed in round one. I mean, clearly some sort of hothead situation. I don't know what he thought he was doing. Like, there's, like, Michelle Perea plays with fire. Like, this guy is a daredevil in the octagon, and I love it. Like, I'm not that much of a purist where I can't, like, I, people hate him. People can't stand him because he dances and break dances during the introductions, does backflips, only did a front flip in this fight. But, I mean, I love it. Like, I wish this guy fought way more often. And uh, I watching him transition into a real fighter that's not just clowning around is just as exciting to me as when he did five backflips against Tristan Connolly. Um, so, I mean, I just uh, give him a shout-out this week. I love that he went in there. and I would love to see anybody go in there and settle the beef like that, like being on the right side of it and then going in there and just dominating. Humili- like absolute humiliation. Like this is what I love. It brings me to a bigger point. That's why that's why mixed MMA is awesome because you, no matter what you do, you have to get in the cage. They, they lock the door and you have to fight the guy. Like, you, like it's going to get settled. It's not like any other sport where you can kind of hide out or avoid it or make, make your own narrative, make your own excuse. Like, it literally comes down to a one-on-one fight, and um, it's just a uh, it's a great way to settle beef, in my opinion. And I love that uh, one of my a guy I really like was able to uh, get the job done and do it in style. Um, I don't want to see too many more hand kiss, uh, open hand slaps in uh, in the UFC, but uh, in this scenario, I loved it. So uh, Michelle Perez and the awesome this week. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, and then just to add on to that a little bit, I mean, do ha- once you sh- shut the door, it's not settled completely. I mean, there's always the chance of being poisoned. Um, you know, sometimes people <laughs> cheat by doing takedowns. You know, apparent. You know, yeah. against the Diaz brother, that's not allowed. So I mean, every <laughs> once in a while, there's there's insinuating. Uh, there's always a possibility, but usually, yeah, like a great majority of them are settled. Yeah, ninety nine percent. But if it's a Diaz brother fight, then it, and they lose, then it's most likely not yeah. fair. Something unfair happens. So or you can pay somebody to kiss Maya, you. Isn't he awesome? Yeah. Or you can pay someone. And yeah. And if GSP paid someone to kiss Nick Diaz, I feel like that would go very bad. There'd been a fight before, um, before the fight on the walkout, I think. But all this, uh, the Diaz brother talk will bring me to my isn't he awesome? I got Nick Diaz army. Isn't he awesome this week? We got Nick Diaz coming back. We got news of Nate Diaz uh, fighting Jorge Masvidal. I'm thinking maybe we're going to have a uh, Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz main co-main in January. You think it could happen? Um, That would be, um, you know, a huge draw, um, which somehow ESPN and Ariel will be saying that uh, that Jorge Masvidal drew all the fans for that one. So, but uh, Nick Diaz army is, is coming back stronger than ever. Um, I'm a member. Uh, JLT is a member. Absolutely. Um, it's all the main man. Nate always says it. The main man, Nick Diaz. He's uh, he's the guy. He keeps everything going, and and he's back. So um, expect uh, expect there to be some fireworks coming up. Absolutely, I love it. I love it because, like I said, he's 37 years old. But the guy, the Diaz brothers, stay in perfect shape. They're always in shape. They're always ready to fight. He's probably as healthy as he's ever been. And they do what they want. Like, he wouldn't be fighting. He doesn't need the money. Like, he's he wants to fight because he wants to fight, and he's taking it seriously. 
I kind of stole your Isn't He Awesome because I did it for my take of the week, basically, because I was so excited. But he did a test cut. He's already cut weight down to one. He weighs like 165 right now. He's already done a 14-week test cut. That's not something you do if you're not taking it seriously. So um, 37, that's the end of your rope. Absolutely, the end of your rope. And as far as fighting goes, especially for a lower weight class like 170. But, I mean, these guys are a different breed. So, um, yeah, I mean, talk about something to look forward to. Imagine a, imagine a Diaz brother uh, fight card. Although they couldn't be in each other's corners then. But, I mean, I think they got plenty of guys for that. So that would be – that would just be uh, – let's bring the fans back for the first Diaz brother – for a Diaz brother uh, main co-main. Oh, it's got to be. I'll be there well, we'll, if that happens. I was gonna say we'll be there. So and you know I'll be in Las Vegas. So I mean if that happens, we'll be there. So uh yeah, I mean that's a good one. You could do a Diaz Brothers every week, isn't he awesome? Um so yeah, I mean all the best, Nick Diaz. Let's uh let's hope this thing comes through and uh nothing crazy comes up. They don't flag him for weed again and take years of his career away for absolutely no reason. So uh um let's get it let's get it rolling. That'll lead us now to our call outs of the week. I will uh, let you go first for your call out here. Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. All right, I'll do my call out this week. It's uh, it's not really um, a specific person, place, or thing. It's kind of just like a situation I find myself in. So we were in Utah this weekend. Me and my girlfriend Ashley went up there, took a trip. And, you know, you're at got some nice scenery and stuff you want to get a picture of yourself uh, at certain places apparently now it's you can't ask anybody to take a picture of you when you're anywhere doing anything this is very strictly prohibited nobody does it not a single person selfie sticks are in now or tripods that you can set your iphone up on because apparently asking someone to take a picture of you is like asking them if they could potentially kill them um that's how serious they take this stuff out there and, you know, if you ask somebody, a girl, to take a picture of you and your girlfriend on their phone and then text it to you, you're a creep for – you're basically asking for their number in front of your girlfriend <laughs> and you're a fucking creep. So there's no good way to do this. You got to buy a fucking tripod and set up your camera on a timer like a fucking dork. Um, so, you know, that's just uh, – so if you're out there trying to get pictures, it's not easy. So this definitely happened to you this weekend. Yeah, well, I mean – I didn't actually ask anyone. I, I'm like, hey, Ash, like, who, we should ask someone to take a picture. She's like, looked at me crazy. Like, you, you fucking kidding me? You can't do that. Is this like, COVID climate? I, I'm not even thinking. Like, you got to like look around and look for some other sketchy person that doesn't look like they're washing their hands who would be willing to switch phones with you. Um, so, that, I mean, and that's just too much work. So, oh, And yeah. then taking a selfie, it's like if you can't really get the background. It's just your face, really. Yeah, and then selfie you don't really, suck. You can kind of see it. Yeah. So, I mean, selfie sticks are in, tripods are in, um, asking people to take pictures of you is out. All right. I mean, it's been a while since I've been anywhere in those situations, but I know that feeling of like trying to hunt down the right person to be like, Hey, can you take a picture? Like you almost have to like, I'm sure it's way harder now. Like I haven't been anywhere post COVID. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you gotta like, it used to be easy. It used to just be like, ask anyone. Oh, still, yeah, no problem. Still strategic though. You still had to strategically like make eye contact. Like if it was sparse, like not in a crowded area. Yeah. Everybody's helping everybody. But like, if it's like a little bit, uh, if it's a little bit sparse, you got to kind of like make eye contact and like kind of, uh, coax them in a little bit again, showing them that you're not a murderer or a creep, but 
Yeah, I mean, we're also kind of yeah, getting like, old. We're not like, about to push you off this cliff that we're standing next to. If anybody no, was going to push anybody, it would be them. They could throw your phone <laughs> yeah. off the cliff. Yeah. And just exactly. say you had, so you had COVID on it. Maybe bring a box of a uh, box of gloves, like you know, medical gloves that you can ask, you can give to people while they take pictures on your phone. Or yeah, um, it's a new era. Yeah, it's a new era. There will be no, you know, no pictures taken. There's all these dorks on the trail with tripods set up. You're like, uh, how many seconds do you have left until your picture gets taken? I don't know if I can walk through or not <laughs> past the trail because you got your tripod set up. Uh, yeah, oh, it's, it's a big ordeal out there. I wonder how I wonder how much this plays into our age too, because I'm sure all the, everybody like uh, five years and younger probably has like all these gadgets and gizmos. Probably like they uh, they probably got the um, the uh, drones flying around taking pictures of themselves. They probably got like time lapses, all the the whole rig. <clears throat> Ooh, a drone! I didn't even think about that. You might Direct need one. Camera to a drone, you can just. <laughs> yeah, That's and you're it. sitting there with a little remote in your picture. <laughs> I guess that kind of looks dorky too, but yeah, no, you can, you can, it comes down to, there's no good way to do it anymore, man. There, it's, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. You, you know, you think you're, they think you're some type of psychopath. If you ask them like, you know, there's COVID here. Do you live in Iraq? Like you're a creep. If you don't, if you ask them to text it to you, cause I'm like, Oh gosh, we could just, you know, have them take it on their phone and send it to us. It's like, like, dude, nobody wants to be texting you pictures of yourself. <laughs> It's hard out here, man. What was wrong with the old-fashioned way? We got, yeah. I mean, this is our shit. This is our uh, our generational shift and uh, situational. Hand sanitizer. I provide you with hand sanitizer, wet wipes for my phone. You know, it's just it's off the table completely. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, and I mean the iPhone. That's the only way to do it. Uh, again, that's that's a good heads up for me because I haven't really done anything where I need would have needed to get my picture taken. So. uh I don't know. It looks like I'll have to buy a selfie stick or whatever. Um, not a big fan of that. I usually just don't, I just usually end up just taking landscape pictures with no people in them and making an excuse when I get back. So my mom loves photos. She'll be like, where's all the pictures? I'm like, yeah, they're, they're right here. I'm not in any of them, but <laughs> they look the same as every postcard. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Now you have an excuse. Like, Mom, yeah, it's fucking COVID. You can't ha- ask people to take pictures of you in front of the Grand Canyon. I, I mean, as far as me getting right asked, in. I'm cool with it. I don't have to worry about getting <laughs> asked. But if I do get asked, let's just, if I do get asked today, this day and age, first and foremost, I will take the picture for you. Not scared of the, not scared of the Rona like that. And secondly, I will do a really good job. Like I'll take 20, I'll take them from different angles. I'll make sure everyone has their eyes open. Like that to me, that's the bare minimum. But, um, yeah, I was I hoping guess. somebody would ask me so I could do a little switch with them oh, because then I guess that's the other. Cool. But nobody even asks you. Nobody asks you anymore. Like, literally, there was nobody. There was, I mean, at certain spots, there's quite a few people around, and there was no, there was no exchanging of phones, not a single person. So, yeah, this is we're living in we're living in strange times for sure. Yeah, that's my other trick though. Like, you kind of got to make eye contact, and then you kind of want to coax them into being like, "Hey, can you take a picture?" Yeah, can you take a picture of me? Like, I wasn't gonna ask, but since you asked me, um, that's just like antisocial tricks that I've come up with over the years to deal with my own issues. But if somebody asks me to take a picture, like, if you spot me anywhere and you want your picture taken, I mean, I will get down. Like, I'll hit all the angles. Like, trust me, you will be. You won't have to pay for the photo shoot, nothing. I won't edit them for you, but you won't even need to edit them. Like, we'll hit portrait mode a couple times. We'll go landscape. We'll go uh, straight up and down. We'll get the Instagram square. 
We'll do it all, man. I mean, it's the bare. It, to me, it's the bare minimum. The whole thing takes thirty seconds. I'll go high. I'll go low. I'll uh, I'll get you in uh, the rule of thirds. I'll get you on the left side of the thirds. I'll get you on the right side of the thirds. I'll center one up for grandma. Um, hey, feel free to ask me, guys. Come on Anybody who sees me and Ashley next time. Uh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'll just take. Uh, I'll, yeah. I mean, I'll be the I'll be the photographer. Uh, but you'll have to supply gloves and hand sanitizer. That's about it, though. <laughs> oh, we could do that. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. I mean, strange, st- strange times. Like uh, that is weird. I would have never ever thought about that, but it makes perfect sense now because people are still like pretty freaked out, and I'm like not really yeah, in a position. Yeah, me neither. I was just like, we're gonna ask somebody. I actually looked at them like fucking nuts. In this day and I'm not age, asking anyone. In this economy, in this economy, you're gonna <laughs> ask somebody to take a picture. Yeah. Um, maybe the new iPhone will have like Bluetooth photo taking or something. Let's hope for it. You need to uh, put that into the list of inventions. Hands-free yeah. photo. And then I thought, I finally thought like, well, then if you don't want to be sending people from your phone number pictures, you could airdrop if they have iPhone. But I mean, it's just too much in this day and age. Like it's, nobody it's wants an- to be asked anything. You got to get close <laughs> enough to get COVID if you're going to be doing all that stuff. So whatever. Yeah, it's a new it's a new day and age. You're right about that. And uh, there'll be an adjustment. I bet in a year, the old timers and ourselves included, will have, uh, have a new, like a uh, protocol on how to get photos. Like the young, the younger, the, uh, the TikTok generation probably already has, like they probably already got this all figured out. They, they probably already are already probably. <laughs> yeah. They're not scared of it. So anyhow, we'll stick with nature they're though. For my toilet uh, seats, dude, <laughs> <laughs> they're licking toilet seats for views and getting COVID, so they're definitely not worried about it. Yeah, they're going lick, licks for likes, and that is unbelievable. I mean, they were eating Tide Pods a couple of years ago. Like, I don't even, that might have been people <laughs> our age now. Love to check in with some of them, see where they're I don't think at. They're in life. alive. I think most of them die. <laughs> if they didn't die, they definitely lost their vocal cords. Like, that's what happens if you drink uh, concentrated uh, laundry detergent, burns up your vocal cords. So, if you thought it was a good idea or you're just hearing it now, do not do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there were some people that did it. So and now they're looking toilet <laughs> seats for COVID. JLT podcast does not promote eating or drinking Tide Pods. Yeah, do definitely so not. Risk. Definitely not. Um, so, anyhow, we'll stick with nature here. Move on to my call out. Uh, my call out for the week and forever and for life and for this point going forward is gender reveal parties. Um, gender reveal parties is the, there's no reason for these to begin with. Nobody cares. Like first and foremost, what is the appropriate reaction at a gender reveal party? Are you supposed to boo if it's not what you wanted it to be? Like it's a girl, it's a boy. You're going to clap and act surprised and happy either way. Um, I don't understand it, but let's get to why I'm calling them out this week and specifically this week. And most people probably already know some goddamn idiots out in California that fire started a goddamn seven-acre fire from a gender-reveal smoke grenade that they threw out on a 110-degree day in the desert, started a forest fire. They tried to put it out with water bottles. They tried to put out a fire that sprawled into a 7,000-acre fire. I I was trying to find out how many people were evacuated because of this. Like, it's time to end gender-reveal parties. Like, I feel like... Our country right now is pretty divided. There's certain things like people are saying, like if somebody does this, you can att- you can jump on them or this confront people for doing this, confront people for doing that, confront people for having gender reveal parties 
That should be no questions asked. Like That's the time to do it. These things have gotten – the meme has been around for six months now or maybe even a year. These gender reveal parties are getting out of hand, and it's always like something crazy like uh, – I don't even know, like just something that's not a gender reveal party but just looks like some insane scene. This is an actual gender reveal party that got out of hand. I don't even know if it was a boy or a girl. I don't care. That kid's cursed for life. They took a quarter of California. That's the second time a forest fire has been started by a gender reveal party. There was one in Arizona two or three years ago where they they shot a target. And this was so stupid. It was all like, it was all like, you know, straw basically all around it. And they shoot this target. And it blows up and it starts everything on fire. Huge forest fire. So that there's been multiple gender reveal parties that have ended in massive forest fires. One in Arizona a few years ago. One in California not too long ago. Like, all jokes aside, though, like, how many animals died because of this insane... Just to find out if it had a dick or not. Like, it's so unnecessary. Just show up. Hold up the... the, uh, the uh, Just live stream its birth. And then that's <laughs> then then that can be the gender reveal party. You know? Live no stream danger it- in that. Just go live with the baby facing face down, live stream, flip it over, boom, gender revealed. That's all it takes. And I mean, we're at a point now where we're not even supposed to be giving them a gender. So talk about a slap in the face. Like, this is yeah, bad. There's no such thing as gender, I heard. I mean, you're supposed to wait till they can decide. Apparently, this one decided <laughs> it's gender, though. It's just going to be a little... <laughs> A little hellfire. I don't know, man. I don't even know if it was a boy or a girl. Whoever, whatever the gender of this child is, is the cursed gender for at least a while. Like, whoever, whatever the gender is, I'm willing to go 50-50 right now, hoping that it's the females. Whoever's gender it is is responsible for fixing this mess. And then no more gender reveal parties. This is out of hand. Like, absolutely just out of control. There's just no, you can't have them anymore. And you know what they're for? They're for likes. They're for Facebook likes. Not even, like, TikTok, Instagram, the cool shit. This is for Facebook likes, <clears throat> which is the lowest of low. Yeah, the people, the people in Arizona got charged like, and the one in Arizona ignited a forty-seven thousand acre wildfire. I'm looking at it right now. Uh-huh. So this has already happened. And, uh, they got, yeah. So this is the second time. Yeah, this happened in 2018, and they they got charged and owed a lot of money. Um. Let's see. He's all the guy. The people that did in Arizona were ordered to pay eight million one hundred eighty-eight thousand sixty-nine dollars in restitution, starting with an initial payment of a hundred thousand dollars and monthly payments thereafter. <laughs> so there's no way they're never getting out of this. No, they're paying. They're gonna pay for that reveal party for the rest of their lives and the rest of the kids' life. Yeah, Holy yeah, cow. the kid's gonna be paying for it. Jeez, oh Pete, this has got to end. This has got to end. Gender reveal parties have to end. There's no point. Like, my the first thing I said, what's the pro, the uh, a proper reaction? First of all, we don't care. Like nobody cares except for maybe you, the people having. I mean, you being the people who are having the kid, and um, maybe like the parents are interested. They don't care to this extent. The rest of it is just uh, just absolute like showmanship, of the cheapest caliber. It's just a bad mixture. It's a bad mixture of a, uh, wow, 47,000 acre fire. <laughs> this one was only 7,000. Look, so. look at all the grass around it, dude. That's like, what What are you thinking exploding something in that? Oh, my God. 
Um, I probably have to post this picture to, <laughs> in case anyone wants to see it. I'm going to post this picture of the actual explosion in Arizona. Yeah. These people were at, these people deserve an $8 million fine. Like they don't deserve to have enough money to buy a gun and Tannerite and uh, whatever else they got into. Like <laughs> this has got to end like these gender reveal parties, like just like the meme, read it perfectly. These gender reveal parties are getting out of hand. Um, yeah, this is just like, I mean, this is something I know, like, this is this is just uh, just off the top of my head, like, gonna sound bad, but like, people getting married, people having children, and uh, I don't know, like, maybe like, let's just leave it at those two people engaged. Nobody really cares but you. Like, everyone feels like they have to chime in, but like, that's not really. They're just they're giving you a, the gift of their attention because they know it's special to you. Don't go and burn down half of California, half of Arizona, because you think you have to put on a show for these people that are not interested. Like we don't care. We like people do care that you're having a child. Like they're excited about that, but they're not excited about the party where you shoot the bomb that goes off and lights. Like the bigger, the bomb, the better, that's not the better, the party. Like you could have just done like a popper about starting a 47,000 acre forest (laughs) fire. And uh, destroying people's property. All right, once is a mistake. These guys did it again. So the second people, they're not going to get, there's only 7,000. So they're not going to get uh, $8 million fine, but they really should get that or double because this is the second time it's happened. Um, I'd, I'd probably say just give me 10 years in the clink. I deserve it. Um, I can't pay you $8 million. Five years, five years. And like, let me out right. to see my kid. Because obviously there's still that going on. <laughs> So that's the end of my call out. Like we got to do something about gender, gender reveal parties. I always hated them. I hated the idea of them. They always felt like this one is so bad that they track down the lady who is like the creator, the like, um, she's given the credit for like inventing the gender reveal party to find her, to hear her thoughts on it. And she basically said, this should be not happening. Like gender reveal was a mistake. Like, what have I done? What have I created? So, if the inventor doesn't want anything gender to do with it anymore, parties are out. Yeah, gender reveal parties. Just hold up the um, I don't even know what they're called anymore. The ultrasound and show us the dick and say boy, or show us the other. Just say girl. Like we can make we can simplify this phone call. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a boy, it's a girl. Like, or wait till it's born, whatever. Or if you really want to get crazy. Have your unathletic boyfriend, loser, loser husband, boyfriend, try to hit a water balloon that has uh like the the powder in it that's like the right color, and he'll whiff, and uh, you'll at least get a funny fail video. This is not a funny fail video, like dead serious. <laughs> a lot of animals died in the making of this party, and a lot of a lot of animals died in the making of this uh, gender reveal. So, truly not a good thing. Um, time to end these things. Like, and if you're thinking about including fire in any party in anything. Just, just don't, but especially this stuff. So, um, idiots are everywhere. This stuff will undoubtedly continue to happen despite the huge outreach JLT and its listeners have in shutting down gender reveal parties. But yeah, I mean, that's my call. I could go on forever. I feel like this, I feel like I was put on this earth to call things like this out. So this is the perfect outlet, but, um, no more gender reveal parties, please. All right. 
So, any more thoughts on that? We're good to move on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I think I, I'm good I, if I never hear about another gender reveal party for the rest of my life. I'm hoping. I seriously am hoping that I don't. And uh, I mean that that it gets me worked up, man. I got, I started. I'm sweating now just because I was. I'm pretty uh, fired up that that fired up. No pun intended. But we'll move on to the news. <laughs> All right, first tidbit of news here. We have the UFC did not award a fight night of the fight of the night bonus for the second time in a month. Instead, they gave out four performance bonuses. That was Brian Kelleher, Andre Muniz, Michelle Pereira, and OSP, all getting performance of the night bonuses. What do you think this says here that they have not given out a fight of the night bonus? Kind of strange. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, and I guess maybe there wasn't a clear fight of the night, but I, I would think the uh, versus, uh you know, our JLT um, just bleed for the night would be it, but the, none of them even got performance from a bonuses. So, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I like how with fight of the night, they both get a bonus, and like you can kind of pick. Not, it's not always the best performance by either one that gets a fight of the night. Like performance of the night is usually like Brian Keller. That was completely one side. Like he was never going to win fight of the night, but it, it gives you a chance to give a uh, somebody else a fight of the night. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of strange. And there were a couple on here that could have vied for it. I mean, I'm sure Alistair Overeem probably gets made enough in his, but I mean that could have been fight of the night. I mean there 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 were a couple, but yeah. Um. So no no second time in a month they've done that, but they're still giving out performance bonuses. Um. Ricardo Lamas announces his retirement. We kind of touched on this last week, saying that we th- thought he was said it in his post fight press conference. Um. Ricardo Lamas will probably always be. Um, most notably remembered for his toe-to-toe, uh, Max, uh, Max uh, Holloway um, throwdown in the middle of the octagon. One of the like the iconic UFC video clips in UFC history, I would say. UFC one of the, 199? Yeah, you have to look it up. I don't remember what it was. But that was, uh, I mean, that was a uh, Max Connolly BMF moment, a Ricardo Lamas BMF moment. and uh, it, was on, uh, it was on Rockhold versus... Uh, Rockhold versus um, Bisbing. Oh, wow. That was when Bisbing right. won the title. Card, I'm pretty sure. That sounds right. But, yeah, I mean, Ricardo Lamas is a uh, – he's a certified badass, and he looked good in his last fight. And um, I think he finished his career 20-9 and nine maybe. Uh, looked really good. Uh, it's Hopefully – I mean, it's always good when you see a guy who knows when it's time to hang it up or feels like – he, he knows it's time to hang it up, so um, kind of feel like he gets to go out on top, which a lot of fighters don't get to do. And uh, like I said, always be known for his uh, – or always be remembered for that uh, toe-to-toe moment, um, throw down, pointed at the ground, and actually went through with it. You don't see a lot of guys actually go through with it, and both of those guys were down to throw. I feel like Max had a little more on the line, so it was a little more badass on that behalf, but it was just a badass moment. Yep, exactly. All right, so our next piece of news here, we got Nick Diaz. We've already talked about this, confirms. He's planning on fighting in 2021. He's confirmed it. He's seen pictures of him. He looks really like he's in really good shape. He did a, did a practice cut. So uh, we talked about this a ton. We don't have to talk about it too much more, but we're both excited for this. 2021, hopefully the fans will be back in the stadium or the stands and uh, Nick Diaz can get a win. Yep. Yeah, we're all ready for it, and I think Nate's supposed to be fighting January of 2021. So, you know, it might be uh, might be all adding up. Things things are lining up here. 
Uh, speaking of fights here, we got uh, Kazmatch Mayev, a.k.a. The Wolf, a.k.a. you donned him as Killa Cam, which I think is a far superior nickname. This is strange. They have, uh, I believe, they for sure booked him with uh, Gerald Mearshart coming up shortly, and they're like in principle agreement that he's going to just plow through Gerald Mearshart and then fight Damian Maya. Um, never heard of this before, planning two fights ahead. I feel like this is bad luck. And I, I absolutely hate Damian Maya fight for, for uh, Killer Cam. Um, that is an awful matchup. Um, Killer Cam's kind of only shown that he, he takes you down and, and finishes you. That's Nobody's ever beat Damian Maya like that. You beat Damian Maya by standing on the feet and kind of just piecing him up by not letting him take you down. So why are you going to take him to the ground? Um, I think that's an awful matchup. I know people were calling for it, but I think it, like I said then, and I'm going to continue to say, it is incredibly dumb. Let's get him up against somebody who who's not a submission specialist. Like It's a, just a bad fight. There's nothing it really proves for him to beat him. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's a terrible fight altogether. Gerald Meacher, uh, whatever. I'm fine with that, but uh, I, I don't like the Damian Maya fight. Yeah, and we, we talked about that, I don't know, however many episodes it was. That was like the only fight I think you said you didn't want to see because, and I, I, I think I, I, I agreed because that's like a fight you could win three round, two and a half rounds of and then just get caught in something and boom, hype train derailed. Um, even Gerald Mearshart, though, like, what? How is? How are we just looking over the guy? That's a huge step up in competition compared to. All right, you fought, Rise McKee, zero UFC fights, and you fought. I don't remember who was his first fight against. It was somebody else making their UFC debut. Um, it was I can't remember, but hold on, keep talking, and I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was somebody else making their UFC debut, I believe. And then Rise McKee, I only remember that name because he was the Skeletor. He was making his UFC debut, and he was a lightweight moving. Oh, he fought uh, White Mike Tyson. John Phillips. Yeah, White Mike Tyson is who he was fighting. I figured it out as soon as we cut out. So anyhow, yeah, I mean, so you beat up White Mike Tyson, and then you beat up uh, Skeletor. And then, uh, I mean, Gerald Mearshart, that's is that's a huge jump in competition and they're just looking straight over top of him and saying, uh, we got you, we got you pegged for, to fight Damian Maya, a top contender for the last 10 years. Like it does, it seems like, yeah, uh, Ger- maybe they're getting, Gerald Meachard, that, that's no easy task either. Exactly. Um, not forget here. Um, kill cams eight. No, uh, Gerald Meachard 31 and 13. Wow. Um, so, I mean, He's got he's got experience. I mean, he's not. It's not going to be an easy task whatsoever. Um, Meacher's good on the ground too. Um, you know, it could be uh, a tougher fight than some may think. Yeah, I mean, just flat out overlooking a guy just seems like a terrible precedent to even start with. So, I don't know. I mean, I know people are high on Killa Cam, including us, but it's. Uh, I just feel like this is one of those ones where I'm definitely going to keep an eye on the lines here because we might get some circus money. And, um, I mean, you talk about you talk, all the worst things you can come up with, a veteran against a young guy, a guy looking past a guy, um, just that classic lining them up, setting them up to fail. Um, it's just not a good uh, good combination. So look forward to Cash Matt fighting again. But um, I think let's get through Gerald Mearshart first. 
uh, savvy veteran. And then I hate the Damian Maya matchup, but it is what it is. If it gets to that point, I guess you're at least in the legitimate position to fight him if that happens. And uh, that's all I got for that one. Um, anything else to add to that? Nope. All right. So here's one. Here's some interesting news we may enjoy. Betch Cohea says December fight is her retirement fight from MMA. What are we going to remember Betch for hey, the I, most? I, I don't. I don't enjoy that. But you know, I, I kind of I enjoy having Betch around. Just get a good laugh every time. Uh, every time I get to see her fight. So uh, I'll miss her. <laughs> and you're damn straight. I'll be tuning into it. All right. What What are we going to miss her for the most? <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you take this one? Uh, I'll just lay out some options. There was uh, there was the the uh, talking shit to Holly Holm and then getting absolutely dismantled two seconds later. <laughs> there was uh, getting punched in so hard that she punched herself immediately after. <laughs> and then there was... <laughs> <laughs> You know where you know where I'm going with this one. The runaway favorite is when she, <laughs> and then, hold on a second. <laughs> the twerk dance when <laughs> <laughs> the twerk dance when she won a decision against I don't remember who it was against. <laughs> I mean is that what you were thinking of? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think it's a one-two twerking and then uh, punching herself in her fa- in the face. I mean, if she could punch herself in the face while twerking, I think that's just ultimate, ultimate uh, batch highlight would be. <laughs> Former title challenger. <laughs> yeah. I would love to upload the twerking video to our uh, Instagram page, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> we'll lose the followers we have. Well, Tune in yeah, on December, exactly. December whatever, 18th or whatever. You might, you might be in for a surprise. But she did former title, former title challenger. Had some. Uh, she brought the heat a few times. So. <clears throat> Could be a good fight. Could be a could be a throwdown. Uh, whatever day that is, sometime in December. I thought they released her after. I thought I reported reported that they released her. I thought I had that on good authority that she was released. Maybe they brought her back. I don't. Maybe nobody's th- released during these COVID times. True. They can they can fill a fight. They can fill a fight. Yeah. So they can get some eyes on the twerk like, dance. Plus, they'll be like, "Oh, you're gonna retire." Like maybe that was it. She's like, "I prom- give me one more fight. I promise I'll retire. <laughs> I promise I won't twerk." <laughs> I punched myself in the face. That she can't promise because that happened because she got tagged and then she just poof, bopped herself. So uh, enough Betch Cohea. That's over our limit of Betch Cohea news on uh, JLT. Um, next up, our last piece of news. My take of the week. Pat myself on the back. Won't break my arm doing it too hard. Time to return to Yas Island. Time to return to Fight Island. UFC 253 will return to Fight Island. Um, I don't know when this news was reported. It's probably always been known considering this is a UFC 253, a pay-per-view, but I just want to throw it in there. My take of the week last week coming to fruition here. Uh, we're losing too many fights to COVID and it looks sounded like yes, Island was the uh, way to go. I would love 
to go hang out there. Like people complain about it. I would love to go hang out there for about three weeks. Like it's just like, I mean, it's like a Disney world for adults. Sounds like they got golf courses. They got everything you could pretty much ask for top of the line, everything. <clears throat> on top of that, the fights are good and we don't have to worry about them dropping out. And literally they have nothing to do all day, but cut promo and uh, work on UFC stuff. So I feel like they were I feel like they were cranking out their best quality there. I think Las Vegas being open back up has created some distractions and um, things just are not going as smoothly. So uh, maybe we can get Ian Qutalaba to fight uh, Magomed and Kalaev out there on Fight Island and maybe it can actually happen. Yeah, someone lock that dude in a cage and just try you can try. Everyone. You can try to lock him in a cage. He's just built different. So <laughs> No more news for today. Uh, we will move on to our preview. And if you heard in the intro, Ryan was really excited about hey. this one. UFC on ESPN Plus 35. Waterson versus Hill. Um, Waterson versus Hill. We cannot wait. Um, you know, COVID circumstances have brought us to, you know, two of the worst main events in, in history of the UFC have now been happening in one summer. Um, as if COVID wasn't bad enough, we are now getting Michelle Watterson versus Angela Hill. I'm not going to shit on it too much. I mean, for it having a terrible main event, there's more names on this card that are recognizable than there has been. Yeah, Roxanne Modafferi. Uh, quite a while. Yeah, we got Roxanne Modafferi versus uh, versus uh, Andrea KGB Lee, who just happens to lose all the time. So I wouldn't expect her. I, it wouldn't be unexpected for her to lose this, although she should easily win it. But um, who who knows? She's been giving some fights away lately. Yeah, I picked her on that uh, Jones versus Reyes card against um, Lauren Lucky Crackhead Lauren Murphy. Sorry, that was mean. But, yeah, and she lost that fight for me. I think it was even a split decision. So, yeah, I mean, Michelle Watterson, Angela. and Moda Furry, uh She's she's built different, dude. <laughs> Roxanne Modafferi is built different. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's the kind of built different. I don't think that's the kind of built different we're going for. <laughs> but regardless, it's built different. And same thing with Batch. Those oh, Batch was <laughs> Batch was built different. Like if we're gonna get it back into built different, uh, Batch was built different. She was. I mean, as far as like calling as if anybody should be nicknamed pitbull <laughs> if any brazilian fighter should be nicknamed pitbull it should be betchko betchko because i mean the nickname actually fits so agreed uh yeah she's built different she's built like a pitbull and she looks like a pitbull and uh Roxanne Montefiore also built different. So let's get into our fight uh, here. We will just uh, go over the main event really quick. Michelle Waterson and Angela Hill. Um, I don't know what the line. Well, let me check the line on this one real quick. Do you know what it is? Angela Hill. I got them up. Uh, Angela Hill is minus one twenty-five. Michelle Waterson plus one hundred five. I think that's kind of surprising. Um, I actually maybe not. It's a pretty close fight. Michelle Waterson hasn't looked great as of late. She really should be an atom weight. She's small. Angela Hill, Angela Hill ain't much bigger, though. Um, overall, this is about as boring of a main event as you're ever going to get. Um, it's it's going to be a decision, most likely. 
Um, and you know, I don't, I don't care. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me which way this one ends. So you aren't actually excited about it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Angela Hill is just kind of going off her momentum. Did she, she got the, she did not win against Claudia Gadelia, but she really, she kind of did. Is that was this that main event is built different, dog. <laughs> yeah, again, not built different the way you, this is not the kind of built different we're looking for. Now, UFC 254, that is built different. If that really comes through the way they're lining it up, that's built different. This is yeah. built different in the wrong, the wrong way. Um, speaking of built different, we got being built different in the wrong way. We got Roxanne Mataferi, um, full regalia, knee pads and all against Andrew Andrea KGB Lee which I don't really understand the KGB nickname. She acts like she's like a cowboy or something. Um, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And that one is uh, Roxanne's plus 260. Uh, Andrew Lee is minus 320. But, I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, a possible underdog bet. I mean, I'm not, it's not the JLT lock of the week or anything, but Roxanne surprises you from time to time. So, Yeah. Uh, I got a feeling the next one and, could possibly uh, and be. Kate, and Andrea Lee also disappoints you from time to time. So disappointed um, me in the. I mean, what's that? Oh, I was just saying she disappointed me in the Reyes, uh, the Re- Jones Reyes card when she lost to uh, my arch enemy, Lucky Lauren Murphy. Also built different. Definitely, definitely <laughs> built different. Body by crack. All right. Um, we turned the build different from being a good thing into a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, last week was all the good built difference. These are all the wrong built difference. Um, Ed Herman, one of the one of the Ed Herman versus Slow Mike Rodriguez. Is that right? That's Slow Mike Rodriguez. Um, Ed Herman, one of the Alpha Gingers of the UFC, in the runnings with Paul Felder, Spike Carlisle, and um, Smiling Sam Alvey for Alpha Ginger of the UFC. If he beats Mike Rodriguez, I'd say he puts in a good resume to be Alpha Ginger of the UFC, but um, this is going to be a tough fight for him. Yeah, I mean, Mike Rodriguez just fought, um, beating um, Marcin Pracnow. So he's come real quick turnaround here, um, but he took zero damage and finished that fight almost immediately. So, um, yeah, this this should be a fun fight. should be an interesting fight. Uh, it's probably one of the better fights on the card. Yeah, Ed Herman is, always brings it too. Like, the guy just throws down. He's older now. He's always been slow, but he definitely brings it. And... Uh, I would say Mike Rodriguez looked as good as he's ever has in his last fight and uh, definitely could be a banger here. Um, next up, we got the steamroller Mike Frivola versus uh, Roosevelt Roberts. Uh, Roosevelt Roberts fighting again for like the third time since COVID started. Um, lost his last one to Jim Miller via armbar. But um, this is a matchup they tried to make a couple times, I believe. Yeah, it is. And... Uh... Should go. Matt, Matt Favola is a good fighter. Um, you know, I should be a good fight. I mean, nothing spectacular, but it's uh, it's two you know guys that if you're uh, if you're kind of a hardcore fan, you've watched them fight, been around the block for a while, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm ready to ready to see this one. Yep, for sure. So uh, after that, we got <clears throat> move on from fights to watch to our. Uh, do you have a lock of the week this week? Anything you're confident in? Uh, riding a, no, riding a heater. There's, there's nothing I'm n- Brock Weaver. Yeah, um, nothing. Uh, nothing I'm too confident on this one. I don't. I don't have a lock of the week. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing I would uh, go out of my way to pick on this one. All right, so then we'll just skip lock of the week because we don't want to be just out here throwing out any old lock of the week. Um, I guess you could check in with us uh, for 
picks later in the week or whatever. But uh, fighters to watch. We got Kama Worthy. Uh, interesting. I think he's finally a favorite on a card. He had two of the biggest upsets the last couple of years as far as uh, betting odds go. And um, he's back. So uh, he is a kill or be killed guy. I don't, I don't know if he's chinny or not or if he's just been caught early a couple times. But he's had some good fights. So um, definitely a guy to watch. Exciting fighter. Um, that fight probably will will not go to decision. I don't even know who he's fighting. Yep. Yeah, up next, fighter to watch, we got uh, Billy Quarantillo. Um, he had a uh, great fight against the Alpha Ginger that he barely edged out. Um, so I feel yeah, like Alpha he, Ginger um, won that. You no, know, he's been uh, – he looked small in that fight, but he, uh, you know, he brought it. Um, you know, I thought it was really close. He might have lost, but the judges gave it to him. So, it, you know, keep an eye out for him in this fight. Yep, and then we got Tyson Nam, another guy coming in after a co- big COVID win. He had a huge knockout in his last fight out. Um, guy finally putting it together. So uh, another guy, tons of power, hits hard, stands and bangs. So uh, can't can't go wrong with that. He is fighting Matt Schnell, and the odds are almost even. So uh, oh, he's you fighting like- Matt Schnell. I probably should have put that on a ma- on the matchup one then. Um, you know, Schnell's pretty, uh, pretty tough guy. Um, and I might like my match. Now I'm not going to call it the JLT lock of the week or anything, but I, I might, I might like match now in that fight. Match now is currently a one Oh five favorite. Tyson Nam is a minus minus one fifteen underdog. So really close on the, uh, on the betting odds. Then we got Sajara Eubanks. She is fighting. Um, who is she fighting? Uh, was she supposed to fight last Sajara week too? Sajara is. Yeah, she was uh, supposed to fight. I forget who she was supposed to fight, but it wasn't Julia. She's fighting Julia Avila this week. Yeah, who's a huge favorite. Uh, huge Julia favorite. Avila minus three ten. Sajara plus two fifty five. Um, Sajara hasn't really been a that big of an underdog that often, but you know she kind of brings it until she gasses. She gasses quick though. Um, so, you know, she's got, I mean, then the line kind of reflects that she's got the first round and if she doesn't win, she's, she loses. So that's yeah. kind of how she fights and how I expect her to fight in this one. Yeah. And, uh, next up, we got another guy who's been busy, Bobby Green. Bobby Green, um, a COVID winner. Um, Bobby King Green, King Bobby Green. Yep. And uh, let me see the line on his fight. I should have it up here. He's, yeah, he's fighting Alan Patrick. Um, who I've never heard of, but uh, Bobby Green, he's minus 240, Alan Patrick plus 200. Um, we'll see how that fight goes. I expect Bobby Green to, uh, you know, get another win here and uh, keep it keep his 2020 going. All right, next guy we got, Brock Weaver, uh, probably my least favorite guy in the UFC, one of them up there. So uh, fighting Frank Camacho. Um, let's hope Rock Weaver gets his head caved in. He got beat up real bad by Roosevelt Roberts in his last fight. I don't even know why Brock Weaver. Well, everybody's in the UFC now, but um, Brock Weaver plus 180 underdog to Frank Camacho, who our guy, JLT's guy, Justin Janes, tuned up in his last fight. Um, so Frank Camacho needs a win. He's a minus 220 favorite against Brock Weaver, Brock the dog fighter Weaver, and. Um, yeah, just let's let's hope for another Brock Weaver loss, hopefully in spectacular fashion. Yep, you never know. He could get he could get kneed in the head and um, <laughs> while grounded and and win the fight. So you never know. Yeah, 
Uh, which so our next guy you got on we got on our list here is Brian Barberina. He is fighting Anthony Ivy, who took a big loss, who took a loss as a pretty big favorite earlier on this car or in this COVID season. Um, currently, Barberina is a minus two sixty favorite over Anthony Ivy at plus two twenty. And uh, you got anything for this one? Uh nothing. Uh... Brian Barberina, when I saw him at uh, Naganu versus Velasquez, he was on that card. He walked out to Baby Shark, so I'll I'll always remember that about uh, Brian Barberina. Um, all right, that's so you, all I really got to add to that one. That's so you put Brian Barberina on there because he walked out to Baby Shark. Why don't you tell everybody why Justine Kish is on this list of fighters to and watch for? Fighters to watch for possibly shitting their pants this week in the octagon. That is why Justine Kish is on there. No one will ever forget. People don't forget Justine Kish, shit her pants while in the octagon, while getting submitted, um, I believe it was. Um, she, you know, she just let it let it flow. So, um, you know, we'll always watch a Justine Kish fight after uh, after that. Trying to free up some airways. Yep. You know, that gets you on to bigger and better things when you, when you shit yourself in the octagon. There's certainly a way to get your name out there and – there's the hard way and the easy way, and she took the easy way. And uh, maybe white tights is not the way to go. Um, yeah, I mean, just a rough all-around outing. Uh, yeah, no, people don't forget. That's exactly right. So um, that's it for our fighters to watch for. Anything else on this card that sticks out? Any bets, any um, any uh, props, anything that sticks out to you? Nothing you're going to certify as a lock of the night or anything, but... Um, any tidbits for the for anyone? Um, nothing really betting wise I got on this one. Uh, I'm just Some... looking at a picture at a picture of uh, Justine Kish at the shitter <laughs> pants in the octagon. I'm gonna text it to you real fast, and we can uh, we can end it on that. Um, we'll get a little response to the to what Alex thinks of this, and then we'll uh, we'll call oh, it. A I re- I remember it. I don't think I've ever seen a picture, but I remember. I do remember it. Uh, there's some characters on this card, though, so uh, we will. <laughs> it's delivered. Yeah, I'm looking I mean, at it. It's, it, it's green. <laughs> Is that Felice? That's, that's Felice Herrig, Herrig, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, she didn't get any on her, I hope. I hope not, but. <laughs> Imagine that. I think she might have. I don't know. Her knee's awful close to Justine Kish's pooper, so I think she probably got some on her. Oh, tough break, man. Like, we're not the only ones who remember this. Like, this is – I'm sure this picture will make its rounds on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll be up on the JLT Insta. I don't know out. if I can promise that. <laughs> what? All right, fine. It'll be up there. So, anyways, yeah, I mean, it's just meme-worthy. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I, I didn't need to see that again. I remembered it from the last time. So, uh, so some characters on this card, I don't know what else to say. Uh, this is card number 1 million in a row, realistically, probably number like 12 or 13 or maybe in a row. Um, I'm sorry. It came down to Angela Hill versus Michelle Waterson. It was supposed to be, who was it supposed to be? It was not uh, supposed Glover to share ever. That's Tiago right. Santos, I was going to say it was so. supposed to be a good card. I remember a great fight. Yeah, I'm, I remember looking at that last week and saying, no, we got a good one to preview next week. And it just kind of changes. And the thing is, they're stuck with Hill and Watterson because they don't want to 
short notice headline somebody else and like they haven't vetted them or anything like they haven't uh they don't have not tested them or anything so they just went the safe route um how does this stack up hill waterson i calvio how does which one which one are you taking i calvio is i think so too i mean this is the all-time worst <laughs> i think yeah i agree so on that note unfortunately on that note, there will be some good yeah. fights, so tune in. Don't want to send it on a bummer here, but um, that'll do it for us for this week. We will be back next week to recap this fight or this fight card. Who knows what can happen? So let's just not let's just keep a positive attitude. Um, I'm sure we'll be watching, um, but that'll do it for us. And Thanks to everyone crossed, who listens. We got a uh, we got a good main event next week. Oh, Covington and Woodley. Wow, yeah, the good things come to those who wave. Let's get uh, make sure there's no wow this card. I'm not even going to say the fights because I tune in next week if you want to hear them because uh, I'm not even going to say them. Yeah, but next we don't week, jinx anything, but it's like <laughs> it, it's a good card for for these how these COVID cards have been. So. Next week has some heat on it. Wow. <clears throat> I'll just throw in one. Mickey Gall is the first Randy fight on the Costa? card. So is that related to Paul Paulo Costa? He's not. No, he's an American guy. But um, <laughs> there's a Costa fighting, so can't get better than that. Right. Fighting Journey Newsome. Wow. All right. Let's not get too much. We need to save these for next week. Um, let's end it on that. Okay. So uh, tune in next week. We'll recap that card. We'll recap the worst card ever. We will preview this super heater card that I'm going to spend a little bit of time looking at after we finally wrap this up. Um, thanks to everyone who listens. Thanks to everybody who subscribes. Um, Follow us on Instagram. Check in for our photos of forest fires and uh, fighters shitting their pants on Just Like That (laughs) podcast Instagram page. And um, we'll catch you all next week. Thanks again for listening, and uh, have a good one. Yeah, don't ask anyone to take your picture out there. Peace. Simpson is the 30-something Randy Couture of the 40-something crowd. <laughs> what? I need a beat in the beat. Let me call back.